What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a very special episode of the Here Comes a Spooky podcast. Tonight, we are with Aaron Southworth from the Horrible Horror Podcast. Aaron, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm uh, at my house drinking a beer, and I could not find, I still cannot find, and I blame you for this, not finding any pumpkin beer in the whole (laughs) St. Louis area. I I ingest quite a bit of it, and uh, when I'm not drinking it, I'm hoarding it, and uh, I'm not going to apologize for it. It's motherfuckers like you that <laughs> wiping my ass with a t-shirt when the pandemic first started. <laughs> I always I'm good, I'm, I'm good man. Well, good man, good. I, and I thank you for uh, not only being on this episode, but actually this is your idea. So for those of you listening, uh, if you haven't noticed already, there is no nachos in the studio with us. Nachos is not here in the CNC fart factory deep in the bowels of Planet X because nachos no likey tonight's uh, episode topic. What we are going to do is Aaron uh, had suggested that uh, he would love to do sort of a retrospective podcast on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer series and yeah. I love that show. So yeah. I, I like- would love it too. I think it's fantastic. Um I didn't believe I'd like it as much as I would because I caught it later in life uh on Netflix. Uh not at the time when it came out. So I'm just gonna tell you when I first saw it I was probably in my mid thirties, early thirties on Netflix and Friends of ours said, oh, yeah, the show is great. When we were in high school, when the movie, or movie, pardon me, when the TV show came out. So I thought, what the heck, I'll just put it on. And was just instantly hooked, like the characters, like the story arc, like the way everything blended together so well. Really enjoyed it. What about you? When was the first time you started watching it? Um, so I first started watching this um, 97, right, when it first hit. I remember it coming on uh, the WB. I was a big fan of the movie. And I was like, cool, a show uh, based off the movie. And I remember because I was I had the only kid at the time in the house that had his own TV because my grandparents loved me much more than my step uh, brothers and sisters. <laughs> so uh, I had the TV and I remember like even though I wasn't into the show, I used to watch Savannah all the time, which was like the WB's like Melrose place. You know, OK, yeah, I remember that. And I was just like in love with the big boobied redhead chick. And like, I'm not watching it for the storyline. I could give a rat's ass. I'm way too young to be getting into this. However, hot chicks, it's hot all the time. They're scantily dressed. And then there was like a summer break and boom, Buffy was, was going to be the, the show. So I just remember all the big advertisements about it. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just, I fell in love with it just right away, man. Just right when it was on TV. And I did, I did start to rewatch it. A few years ago, when I was working, we I would travel a lot, and I was working with another guy, and uh, he's like, "What'd you do last night?" And I was, and I just not even thinking about it. Not that I'm embarrassed, but I was like, "Oh, just just watched a bunch of reruns of uh, Buffy." <laughs> he like looked at me, and I was like, "Oh, you know, because there was no sports on." And he's like, "You don't have to do that, man. You don't you don't have to be that guy. Because <laughs> there's no sports on." <laughs> <laughs> you're afraid of your man card getting pulled and called man, out and you're like because there's no sports Ugh. exactly well we had uh this was like the first week i'd ever worked with him and we were up in seattle and we had spent like pretty much the entire first two days talking about the mariners and the seahawks and all that stuff so um 
it was just like I don't want to engage, you know, just want to test the waters here a little bit. It's not that I'm not proud or shy of who I am, but uh, I'm not trying to hit everybody with like, you know, with the Cincinnati Jeff all at once. Sure, sure. And and you gotta, I have to admit, there is somewhat of a stigma about, you know, or or there may be a perceived stigma about guys watching something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or even something oddly supernatural. Because it seems like a lot of those shows are geared towards girls. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, iZombie, which is a newer one. Um, you know, these are all shows just off the top of my head that kind of have a strong female character or strong female characters going forward. But it's still like the supernatural and kind of, you know, dark and weird and fun. So when you're saying you're watching those movies or shows, uh, I keep saying movies, um, it's uh, it, it, I could see how a stigma gets attached to it. Yes, exactly. So it's you know, it's not like I'm like embarrassed by it. It's a badass show, and I wasn't embarrassed by it when it was on TV the first time. But like you said, it just kind of has a this is a stigma. It's like this is sort of thing, like understanding of this unwritten rule that it's a chick show, and it's you know more that's about drama. That's, that's why I didn't watch it when I first uh, when it first came out. I mean, I was a uh, what was this come out in 96 i was in june i was a junior in high school so you know i was i was busy doing other things um you know and i thought it'd be it was like a you know i knew as a teenage high school it was like right my age group almost exactly the same age group and i'm like that's ah, chick show i'm not gonna bother with that i didn't watch a lot of tv anyway i was mostly uh skateboarding and getting laid <laughs> Not when this was on, I was playing lots of Goldeneye and watching Buffy. <laughs> so, but uh, this so this is what we are. So this is what we're doing. This is uh, episode one of at least a three, if not four part series, where we are going to break down. You know, like for here, we're doing the first two seasons. We're probably doing another two seasons, another two seasons, then the last season, and then just kind of see where it takes us. Um, potentially could. Uh, Take it all the way to the comic book seasons and things like that. Those are very interesting, but man, yeah. is that, that is some homework right there because uh, some of those are, you know, 30, 40 issues into a season kind of thing. I don't mind the work though, man. I enjoy the Buffy stories quite a bit, and if the I do, I did start reading the comics. I just got distracted with you know having a baby, so uh, you know I didn't uh, didn't quite follow through on it. But I'm willing to get back in there. I'm down, dude. If you're down, I'm down. I say let's give it a shot. I say let's go for it. But uh, to start us off here, uh, to talk about the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show, we've got to talk about the movie, the 1992 movie. So uh, brief summary, Buffy Summers is your your typical 90s Valley high school cheerleader, you know, totally. Oh, my gosh. uh, Who claims that she wants to grow up, move to England, marry Christian Slater and then die. That's like the most '90s thing I think I've ever heard. Right, and it's all the people like Christian Slater. I actually, right. just Christian Slater. It's like I, I, you're what Heather's Broken Arrow, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Like I don't have like a mate, like a huge backlog of like Christian Slater movies in my head. Uh, True well, Romance. You got Gleam in the Cube, which is one of my favorites. That you see, thank you. You know, it. I never understood that he was this like teen heartthrob because. I mean, he's just kind of a pockmarked, rat-faced little guy to me. I, just, I don't know what it is. He's a Jack Nicholson ripoff. Pretty much. Pretty much without the talent. That, <laughs> I, 
as far as I know, I don't know. If Christian, if you're listening, I apologize. Maybe I've just not seen your best work. Although, True Romance, a tip of the hat to you, my friend. Don't forget to pump up the volume. Oh, you, right? See? There you go. I need to. I just need to understand this. I need to go to it Zion. It seems like his catalog's getting bigger the more we talk about it. It is. It is. Is this a Christian Slater episode? Shit. <laughs> uh, so... All that changes when this strange old man shows up and tells her that her fate uh, is is the chosen one. And fate has chosen her as the slayer. Her destiny is to fight the forces of evil and keep the world safe from vampires that apparently are running around L.A. After a rough start and some training from Merrick, who is her watcher, the old man, she eventually uh, ends up doing battle with Lothos, the vampire king, and his sidekick, Lefty. Buffy eventually manages to defeat Lothos, save the prom, and ride off into the sunset with her new boyfriend, Pike, who um, was played by uh, Luke, Luke Perry. Perry. Yes. So, the, you know, it's 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 an interesting movie. Uh, the You know, the cast of characters, Christy Swanson, who plays Buffy, Donald Sutherland, who plays Merrick the Watcher, Paul Rubens, who plays Buffy. Yes. Which just his shit cracks me up. I love his death. Yes, yes. In the movie, and they're like, "Oh, it's totally, it was completely ad libbed." I was like, "Yeah, this this seems <laughs> like Pee Wee's Playhouse humor." And I love if you watch far enough into the credits, he's he's still doing it. <laughs> but don't forget about Rector Hauer, who also killed it. Yes, Rutger Hauer as Lothos, the Vampire King, and this this was you know because I. I'm coming off of just like universal vampire mythos kind of thing where it's like if you kill the lead vampire, like all the other vampires die. Right. And I guess that's not really the case here. Vampire King. I'm not sure if that's a moniker that he himself, you know, just was like, this is what I'm going to call myself or if he actually earned it or if he's the king. He looks very, um, very much what you would think a vampire would look like, right? Just kind of capes and cravats and, uh, you know, he has like a... You could swap out his outfit with Bela Lugosi and not miss a yes, piece. exactly. Like, he's got, like, some sort of medallion that he wears. It's not... It's like a... looks sort of like a Navy cross. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, then you've got uh, Luke Perry, again, who plays Pike. And then, uh, of honorable mention, uh, David Arquette, who plays Benny, who's Luke Perry's friend. Uh, who gets turned into a vampire. And, uh, you know, 1992, so this is early David Arquette. This is pre-WCW Championship. That's right. I forgot David Arquette was in this. Uh, man, that's a great cast. That's a fantastic cast. It's been a while since I've seen that movie uh, because I just haven't gotten around to it. And I've been such a loyal follower of the show. But, man, after hearing that, man, maybe I need to give it a revisit. It's a solid one. So I watch this movie once a year with my wife. She has three Halloween movies that she likes to watch. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, Casper, and Hocus Pocus. You know, I, I, I've never been mad at Buffy. I always liked right. it kid, and I liked it as an adult. It's got humor that I get. It's it's cheesy, but, I mean, what, that's, what fun that's that the fun of it. That's the fun of it. I mean, come on. It's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 supposed to have some cheese factor. Come on. So uh, just a couple notes on this before we move on to the next uh, season. And, and this was interesting. I did not know this. So this movie was written 
by Joss Whedon, who did go on to write and was basically the showrunner for the Buffy the Vampire Slayer's TV series. I didn't know that until I started doing research for this episode. Never knew that. Just assumed that Joss Whedon was like, you know what? That old movie Buffy that we they made like five, six years ago? What turned into a TV show? I just assumed. Yeah. I never paid attention until I because we just watched a movie like a week or two ago. And I was like, that's Joss Whedon's name. So Joss Whedon was a screenwriter. Apparently, he was so frustrated by how much of his original vision was being mishandled and how much of it was being rewritten, sometimes even on the fly. He left the set during production and never came back. Took it, wanted to take his ball and go home. Mm-hmm. Well, so what I understand is uh, Joss Whedon uh, particularly found Dalbert Sutherland extremely difficult to be around because Sutherland rewrote most of his dialogue and scenes, often making <laughs> the scenes incomprehensible in Whedon's opinion. Oh, wow. He did praise his ability as an actor, but he called his behavior rude and uh, Sutherland a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I know there's, there's a ton of this. Uh, so the original script was heavily rewritten to make this movie lighter. In the original script, Buffy burns down the school in the gym, or sorry, burns down the school gym in which the dance is being held in an effort to destroy the vampires. And the TV show, in fact, references that several times yeah. in the first two seasons. Um. And as the series is seen as a spinoff of the original unproduced screenplay rather than the movie, Whedon went ahead and took his original vision and he eventually released it in, I think, a six issue comic series called The Origin. OK, so I- if you ever wanted to kind of get that, he says, like, that is my that is like the real like, you know, precursor. that's a good. Shit. Yeah. So I guess what he wanted to do was write a movie that was more of a like a like a horror comedy right he he wanted the humor but he didn't want all this bubbliness that they had in it like what he said he saw as his inspiration was typical blonde girl walks down the street or between a house or something like that in a horror movie and then just gets murdered and he thought it would be funny if that nobody girl actually turns out to be this super-powered badass, and the monster then turn gets, like, crazy scared and, you know, is now on the run. And that was just kind of what he, like, what he went with, and that's what you do get uh, in, in the TV show. You don't, I don't necessarily see that uh, so much in the movie, so I, I kind of get it, like, oh, he's a little mad, it's not his vision, but, yeah. I mean, that's... You, you kind of get that in the movie, but it doesn't come till like, really late. It's like, uh... He doesn't quite get that confidence up until the very, very, very end, you know, and even then it's not quite like I'm the badass. It's like I'm Buffy. I barely survived. Right. So apparently Whedon was like, well, I just got a serious lesson in how Hollywood works. So next time I'll be more careful, which it took him five years. And then we get season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in 1997. Yay. So. Um, after moving to Sunnydale, California, Buffy Summers just wants to be a normal teenager. Back in L.A., her first watcher had died, and she inadvertently burned down the school gymnasium at her old high school to trap and kill all the vampires inside. Also, at the same time, her parents weren't getting along, so they got a divorce, so not a super great summer for the Buffster. 
The move to Sunnydale is supposed to give both her and her mother, Joyce, a clean slate, but then she meets the high school librarian, Rupert Giles, and quickly learns that there is no escaping her destiny. With Giles as her new watcher, she reluctantly steps back into her role as the Slayer, but this time she is not fighting alone. She has a inner circle of special friends, uh, which include Willow, Xander, Cordelia, and the mysterious Angel. Yes, dubbed the Scoobies, which I do love. I, I love that, and I like how... I want to say that it started out as like a joke in maybe season one or two, but like the characters just leaned into it. Yes, yes. So, I mean, it's just fun. Plus the Scooby Squad. That's just badass. They're Scooby gang. Uh, So the cast here, Sarah Michelle Gellar plays Buffy. Nicholas Brandon as Xander. Mm -hmm. Allison Hannigan as Willow. Anthony Stewart Head as Giles. Charisma Carpenter as Cordelia. Christine Sutherland as Joyce. I find that very interesting considering you just talked about how Joss Whedon had such a hard time with Donald Sutherland. Yes. He would be cast. Uh, Hey, right? Yeah. He is the daughter of Donald Sutherland. Yes, exactly. Um, Maybe it was like his way to like get back at him. Like, I'm not going to feed you, but I'll, I'll feed your daughter. (laughs) Uh, David. And I always have a hard time with his last name. Borianes? Borinez? Yeah. Yeah. Angel. Angel. (laughs) And then uh, Mark Metcalf. Metcalf? 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 Yeah, Calf. Yeah, the L is silent. I knew that. Metcalf as the master. Uh, So, I want to just kind of run down the episodes. So, so Um, kind of what I think we talked about was because the majority of people who are going to be listening to this are Buffy fans or have already listened to Steam Buffy and just kind of want to hear two other Buffy nuts kind of talk about it. We're just going to touch on each episode briefly um, and just we'll just talk about each one, you know, list it, talk about it, what we like, what we didn't like, move on to the next one. Just kind of like a, you know, quick hit. But uh, at the end of that, so at the end of season one, I'll say which three I like the best and which three Cincinnati Jeff like the best. We might have some that double up. But I think it'd be kind of fun. It's like that way we can really sink our fangs into something a little more deep for the episodes we really, really like. I like that. Sink our fangs. Don't be a fang banger. (laughs) So picking up where the movie left off, episode one, Welcome to the Hellmouth, is actually a two-hour season premiere. Uh, Buffy Summers and her mom have moved to Sunnydale, California for that fresh start we were just talking about, unaware of the evil lurking in the quiet suburbs of this town. Some her role as the Slayer, Buffy quickly makes friends and enemies at her new school, while also meeting her new watcher, Giles, uh, the school librarian. Her newly assembled team encounters the ever-abundant, unearthly creatures in Sunnydale. Yeah, I do like this episode. It's a great way to start it off. I mean, even if you, you know, I was never familiar with Josh Whedon's original, you know, vision, but knowing, you know, Buffy, this is basically, you can also be considered a continuation of the movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, Buffy knows she's a badass. She knows she's, there's vampires. We're, we're all, we're all clued into the game. So that's nice. We don't have to have this like, origin story build back up i mean she's buffy she's a fi- she kills vampires let's fucking roll um i like the way she introduced they introduced giles and she's like god damn it i got another watcher i thought i was done with this shit um she starts to befriend cordelia but then she's you know buffy's been through some shit so she's like you know i'm not gonna be friends with cordelia i like this nerd over here so i'm gonna hang out with willow um and then xander's along for the ride but it all it all works pretty well 
It it really does. And what's so like, you know, like you said, she's very reluctant. I love she meets everybody very organically, except for obviously Giles. He sort of pushes yeah. him, you know, into her life. And he's like he knew who she was immediately. Like he knew she was the Slayer. And he's like she's like looking for like a book on anthropology or something or well, I don't know what she was in the library for. I can't remember. But he's like, I know what you're here for. And like, boom, just. Pops out this dusty ass book that just says vampire on it, and she's like, yeah. I "Don't want anything to do with that." And he's like, "Yeah, sure you don't. Gotcha." Yeah, that was that was really good. I like the way you know it's he's just kind of like, "No, you can't run away from this. You can't move towns and stop being the Slayer. You're gonna be the Slayer, goddammit. Yeah. And, you know he he busts out that book, and she you can tell she, Sarah Michelle Gellar may not be the best actress in the world, but she does great for Buffy. I'll tell you that. And she does like a great like fluctuation of emotions, but she tries to like be like I don't know what that is. Fuck off. And uh, no. yeah, well done. She does a really good job. Even just these first couple episodes, going back and forth between like bubbly headed, uh, and then like also just like teenager trying to figure out life. And then at the same time, she's got that third side to her where she's just badass. Yeah. Uh, so basically, throughout the first two episodes, um, it's the you know welcome to the Hellmouth and then the Harvest. We learn of the master who is this ancient vampire who was buried during an earthquake um, while trying to open the Hellmouth originally. These Hellmouth, as is, is, uh, Aaron and I were discussing before the show, seems to be this uh, portal uh, where uh, to, I guess, a demon realm uh, where massive demons can come through and destroy the earth. At the same time, this also seems to like attract evil in a sense. There's, yeah, we, there was like, demons, yeah. Is there like more that there's said there was more than one? From what I understand, it, it it seems like they talk about there could be more than one. It's like we happen to be on a hellmouth. So that would give you know right. the only logic would dictate that there's more than one somewhere else in the world. So it's not it's they don't they never call it the hellmouth, it's a hellmouth. A hellmouth. Exactly. Uh, but throughout these two, like I said, you kind of meet, you meet the master, his uh, parade of vampires. Buffy makes friends with Xander and Willow. Uh, they, they sort of kind of figure out on their own that Buffy's not quite the normal teenage girl. Uh, and then she sort of lets him in on her secret. So the two of them, along with with Giles and Buffy, sort of kind of form this squad. Then you've got, excuse me. The uh, the bitch of the, everybody high school's got a bitch, uh, Cordelia Chase, um, who is starts out just <laughs> just so fucking mean, dude. So hateable. I, yeah, she is. You know that actors and actresses are just fantastic at what they do when they play a dick or a bitch, just a piece of shit. And you just hate them, right? You just yeah. hate them through the TV. And you just you really don't care what happens to him as long as it's bad and then you're like you got to take a step back and be like man then you're making me feel stuff i like that michael rooker is really good at that yes and, yes and he is. he's fantastic now I, i'm curious for young cincinnati jeff uh watching at home when savannah was gone for the summer <laughs> uh, Wait, you gotta do the cast of savannah and like was, but like google it the replacement of charisma carpenter enough to carry you for real and i <laughs> i'm i feel bad because i'm i was really paying attention in season two and then i had like had to like analyze be like am i i had to look up and see how old she was so i didn't feel so bad but i was like paying attention oh, like 
she she's, she's 25, 29. She's like 29 years old. That's what I found out. So I didn't feel so bad afterwards because I'm like staring at her tits and I'm like, season two, I I think Cordelia got a booby job. <laughs> you know, and it's it's California. It's the 90s. That's not yeah. unheard of. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, that's that's essentially the first uh, two episodes. There, uh, they banish great evil. The master is aware that the uh, that the uh, slayer is in town, and uh, that they are going to have this uh, round and round until they're destined to meet. I gotta say, I do like uh, the master. I like I I enjoy the master as the the big bad, if you will, uh, in this this season. Um, I think he was a great character to get rolling. The only thing I wish I could have changed about the master in some aspect was his face is always in vampire form. And of course, if you're listening to this, you know, vampires and Buffy vampire will switch between, um, their vampire form and human form, you know, kind of at will they can, they can summon it. Uh, but the master is always stuck in vampire form. I kind of liked it like that. To be perfectly honest, I kind of enjoyed having him always in demon face, so to speak. He's sort of got – the only thing that always bothered me, actually, was the Kool-Aid mouth that he's got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I liked it. I just – there was something about it, and I didn't know if it was just he was so evil that he just always had to look like that and couldn't transform back. Then I don't know if they ever really explained it. I don't remember yeah, he's a little, you're right, he's a little extra vampire. Not only is he always in vampire form, he's got kind of pointy ears, long clawed fingers, very Nosferatu kind of appearance. So there, there may be something to that. I'd have to look into it. I would like to know, I would like to know more about it for sure. I wish that we would get uh, more Master, but I, I, I do like how, how his story plays out. So with uh, episode three, um, this is when uh, this is this is fun uh, when students start dropping out of cheerleading tryouts by spontaneously combusting, going blind and losing their power of speech, which is uh, it, it sounds innocent, but it's not. Yeah, it yeah, lose power of speech. My ass, the her mouth like forms like, a solid seal around itself like she just loses her lips over her mouth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Buffy and her posse suspect a powerful witch is in their midst. Buffy uh, herself soon becomes the target of a deadly spell as they discover the witch's true identity uh, while Buffy tries to go undercover in cheerleading tryouts. Meanwhile, Xander finally musters up the nerve to ask Buffy out on a date, but in the throes of a witch's spell, Buffy's response isn't exactly the best. <laughs> uh, then, uh, next episode, Teacher's Pet. A substitute teacher's infatuation with Xander is flattering to the lovesick teen, but alarming to Buffy because turns out she's a mantis creature, a praying mantis creature who devours the mates after making love to them. Virgins uh, have to be virgins. Oh, they have to be virgins. OK, I must have forgotten that aspect. Well, so because I love that part in this episode because like Xander, it's very much because they do such a good job about mixing in typical high school bullshit. Like Xander's got a crush on Buffy, but they're friends kind of stuff. Yeah. But like in this one, it's like Xander's. They're at like their local cl uh, club, the Bronze. The Bronze. 
Xander is like trying to get a drink while like two other uh, peers of his, you know, from high school are talking about all the women that they've banged. And they're like, Xander, what about you? You know, you were here with Buffy and Willow. He's like, oh, yeah, things get wild. And he's like, yeah, three Diet Cokes. You know, he's just a jokester guy. Yeah. Um, but then later on the episode, you see him get seduced for being a virgin by this really attractive praying mantis. She's she's attractive in human form. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and then in the basement, you find a uh, homeboy who was bragging about all his sexual escapades also trapped down there because he's also a virgin. And he's like, when, he, when they save the day, he's like, if any of you tell anybody about this, my dad will sue you. He is a lawyer. Like, do not tell anybody I'm a virgin. That's great. And that was just fucking hilarious to me. And that's the kind of fun you expect from, uh, from Buffy. Yeah. So then episode uh, five, next way on the first date, Buffy tries to maintain some semblance of a normal teenage social life by opting for a hot date instead of helping Childs protect Sunny Day. Vampire prophecy. As she's blinded by love, Buffy ignores the signs of the dark forces ailing against her. Meanwhile, when Buffy's while Buffy's being romanced, the master is plotting her demise by invoking the wrath of the anointed one, a great warrior vampire who is the master's most powerful weapon against the slayer. Yes, the anointed one. This episode, I'm just going to touch on it briefly because the previous two are yeah, we had, you know, the the, the witch uh, about the cheerleading episode and the, the praying mantis. Those episodes don't really go with, the, like, something I think Buffy does very well in the first couple seasons is they have a continuing story, but they break it up here and there with just one in, a story arc from start to finish in just one episode, which I love. I love that aspect of it. Makes me think of Twilight Zone episodes. Makes me think of X File episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, where they, they have this overwhelming arc, but they can still break it up and have a fun little story in between. This you're, one's pretty focused on the story. What's that? Your monster of the week, so to speak. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and it's it's this one kind of follows the story, but still, you you can you know they can just jump right back into well, like you said, the monster of the week kind of episodes. And I really like the way Buffy does that. But this one does start follow the story, kind of. Heavy, laying heavily on the master, and we're we're going to meet the anointed one. Yes, and I, I agree. I I just I like this. Um, you know, those first those last two were kind of uh, sort of off on their own, and then you've got you get this one, and it just brings it back in, brings it back to the fold, and it just it's a lot of fun. Uh, episode six, halfway through the season, the pack. So when Buffy and the rest of the Sunnydale High endure an annual field trip to the zoo, Xander and some other kids sneak into the quarantined hyena exhibit, but leave in an altered state. It is up to Buffy, Giles, and Willow to discover the cause behind Xander's bizarre behavior and reverse the transformation before it's too late. Meanwhile, Xander's new aggressive demeanor doesn't play well with his old friends. What a fun episode. Yeah, this one's where they kill the fucking principal. (laughs) This one gets... This one goes off the rails and even watching, you know, watching this and I'm like, man, you know, they got away with a lot of stuff in the 90s. But I feel like TV in some aspects, at least graphically, is a little bit more lenient, at least I thought. And then I went back and watched this and I was like, dude, could not you could not have this shit today. This could not be on what was just, you know, public television. This was not a cable show. Yeah, it's like when you see students killing the principal uh, in a pretty horrific way, 
yeah, I don't think that would fly today. Now, of course, you know, this is a time capsule, and there's going to be certain things, like, they're going to make retard jokes, and they're going to make gay jokes, and they're going to do that, and they're going to be culturally insensitive, just because that's where we were at the time. Yeah. So you don't, you don't, you don't want to judge them for that, necessarily. I will say that Joss Whedon, after this season, definitely became more self-aware, because uh, at least on the, uh, like, being a closeted homosexual, that actually does get touched on and, and is handled fairly well. Yeah. Uh, very surprisingly, they they don't have too much about race in here. Um, no, but they, like, they, they, they do not touch that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, uh, but the sexual orientation uh, definitely starts in the second season and really – really takes off in the later seasons uh and there's some there's some like classism you know in here too that's kind of dealt with pretty well yeah joss whedon this man this man likes to make good tv <laughs> he does i like him so uh season seven uh is titled angel so we sort of talked about uh david who plays angel in this season but he didn't really talk about him uh, at the beginning there angel Starts out as this sort of like mysterious benefactor who is watching over Buffy, also aware that she is the Slayer and seems to have incredible strength himself. And as the show has progressed on, uh, Buffy grows more and more annoyed with Angel's mysterious disappearing act, and she can't deny her growing obsession with him. Meanwhile, it's killing Xander that Buffy doesn't have a clue how he feels about her. And as he vents his frustration to Willow, she knows all too well how he feels. Because she's got a secret crush on Xander as well. High school stuff. Yeah. But in the underworld, the master is incensed that Buffy has taken the lives of so many members of his family that he summons the warriors, the three, uh, as they're called, to annihilate her. Which, it, you make it sound like that. Like, I read that and I'm like, yeah, that that is going to be a pretty intense episode. But uh, she kind of kicks the three's ass, like, 20 minutes in. They basically then, mop the floor with the three. Yeah, they they, yeah. they pretty much take care of them pretty quick. Now, I'm curious. I, I'm sorry if uh, if you were going to have this for later or not, but um, one of the master's main uh, henchmen, or henchwomen, I should say, uh, I don't remember the character's name, but she's played by the same actress who plays Rita, Dexter's wife, in the Dexter TV show. She's the one in the schoolgirl outfit. Oh, uh, okay. I'm looking her up right now. Uh, Darla. Yes. Right? I'm almost positive it's Darla. I'm checking. I'm checking right here. Yes. And I like Darla. Uh, that she's played by uh, what's her name? Julie. Julie Dex- Ben. Dexter's wife. <laughs> yes, Dexter's wife. That is Dexter's wife. Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Uh, she's she's awesome because she has that when she transforms into that demon, she has what I if I would close my eyes and picture like a vampire from Buffy to look like it would either it would never angel. It's either her or Spike. And Darla just has that look. She's the first one you ever see turn into a vampire, you know, on the TV show in the pilot. So it just sticks with you. And I was I was I, I understand that she was just only around for season one, but I felt again good character good henchman possibly a good villainess for further episodes and don't get wrong it makes for good tv to be like whoa holy shit they got they killed her but oh i was bummed when she left 
Yeah, that. So, because I was looking at this and I was like, yeah, I, I liked her a lot, and I'm glad you brought it up. According to this, she's only in like three episodes. Yeah, but she, each one of her episodes are actually, I believe, she's in episode like uh, or season like three or four, also, and then in backstory shots because apparently she was part of this crew that hung out with like I think, I think she made Angel actually. Um, if I'm not mistaken, she's the one who sired, if you will, Angel. Um, I think she too. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of interesting. I, I I wish she was around a little bit more. Right, she's got history here. Yes. So, uh, but during this Angel episode, this is when we find out why Angel knows all this stuff. It's because he is in fact a vampire. Buffy and him go to kiss, and he gets a little too excited, and he demons out, and. Uh, then everybody gets a little worried. Uh, <gasps> damn. But this is also where we learn that um, Angel was cursed. Uh, he was a very, very naughty vampire. Um, but according to Giles, uh, only a couple hundred years old, but young as far as vampires go, uh, who was then cursed by a gypsy family uh, to regain his soul so that he could feel all the sorrow and... And, you know, just awful things and, his, and and remorse that he has done over the past years to all these innocent people. And that is why he, while being a vampire, does not feed on humans. He, you know, drinks like blood from the blood bank or like animal blood, apparently, and things like that. And he's trying to help the Slayer rid the world of evil. He's got that crushing Catholic guilt as his curse. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I use during my fundraisers. <laughs> So it works. Uh, it works great. It does. It does. Uh, next episode, episode eight. I robot you, Jane. Buffy and Giles face a demon spirit who has been trapped since the dark ages and is unleashed into cyberspace. Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, Willow has fallen for a cyber bow whom she met online. And Xander and Buffy are wary of who this anonymous wooer may turn out to be. This one is a little dated. Yeah, it's it's it definitely is because this is the birth of the internet. This is when the internet first started coming out. I remember being in high school at the time and being like, "You have to do an assignment using the internet." And like, Whoa! <laughs> and uh, you know, it was it was groundbreaking stuff for me in high school. So when they do an episode and it's so dated, and you know, they're they're kind of like, "You're not jacked in. You're not alive." You know, I think they they said that in they the actual. Yeah, and books are archaic. You knew this this was coming, this internet wave was coming, but now we just use it to call each other assholes and look at cat memes. <laughs> we don't do anything <laughs> that crazy. But it, it was it was exciting. The internet was exciting at the time, so I don't mind this episode so much. But looking back on it, you're like, ooh, ooh, that did, that did not age well. But at the same time, I still have appreciation for it because I was that kid in high school. I wasn't saying if you're not jacked in and you're alive, but I was excited about the Internet. <laughs> this reminded me of like Buffy's version of the Hackers movie. Bingo. That's beautiful. <laughs> no rollerblading, though. No, no. God wouldn't be up this late. It's one of my favorite lines. Uh, this is also, I believe, the introduction of uh, another fellow teacher, Jenny Callender, who yes. runs the computer club. Uh, that these uh, <laughs> these um, cyber punks, I guess, belong into this. is It's such a weird episode because 
Like they're using technology that, to my knowledge, doesn't even really exist currently. Like they're able to like scan a book, and what it does is like instantaneously pull the words from the scan and turn it into a text document. And I'm like, look, I know that that does exist, but like this is like ancient Sumerian or some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> handwritten script i'm like this would take some time and willow's just like able to do it just fucking instantaneously yeah it is there's certain leniencies that uh, i think those late 90s shows did with technology it's like well this is what could happen right As, like, meanwhile i can't get my fucking qr code to fucking sync up so i can get a goddamn discounted fucking jamba juice <laughs> But they can fucking bring in the fucking Dead Sea Scrolls and have that shit scanned and translated in under 30 seconds. <laughs> and, and, and imprinted a whole fucking demon entity into the internet where he seduces others. Right? That is some deep stuff right there. But I, I liked it. But this this was one of the harder episodes to, like, just watch. You know? Yes. Just, um, so then, next up, number nine, The Puppet Show. Sunnydale High School annual talent show uh, serves as a backdrop for murder when Buffy must catch a knife-wielding stealer of human organs. Damn, that's getting dark. Meanwhile, the new principal, because they hyenas ate him in, <laughs> in episode fucking six, um, uh, with Principal Snyder, right? Snyder. Snyder. Before we get introduced to Principal Snyder. Oh, this guy. Um, I forget his name, uh, but he had a very prominent role on uh, Deep Space Nine, Star Trek. And I wasn't super huge into that one, so I can't remember the character's name in that either. But Quark. Yeah. Quark, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. God damn, I'm showing my nerd dick tonight. <laughs> I just wasn't a Deep Space Nine guy. Don't get me wrong. I watched episodes when it was on, but I was much more into Next Generation and then the original series for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, we're but, but Snyder, Snyder, fantastic. You were talking about those characters who you you love to hate your charisma carpenters, the ones that are being a bitch. This guy, you love to hate him. He's this absolutely worst, smarmy, backstabbing, shitty principal that could ever be. It's fantastic. He is great at being just, like you said, just a prick. You just love to hate him. And he's just – it's so opposite from what I understand of just his actual personality, like in the in the real world. So this is just fun. Um, meanwhile, um, as you said, the principal is a discipline-loving brute, and that, that is a funny term to describe him because he is the tiniest of men. He is a very <laughs> slight man, yes. Yeah, who forces Giles to run the talent show and orders Buffy, Xander, and Willow to perform in it. <laughs> uh, next is uh, episode 10 nightmares the world of nightmares and reality become one when everyone in sunnydale is living out their worst fears while xander comes to school in his underwear and giles is unable to read buffy must unravel the mystery before reality folds completely into the world of nightmares it's a good one that was a good one uh, and then Out of Sight, Out of Mind, Episode 11, Buffy and Cordelia become unlikely allies to combat an invisible spirit that has targeted Cordelia and everyone around her. Meanwhile, Angel goes to warn Giles uh, that Buffy could be in grave danger due to a vampire prophecy. 
Now, can you or do you have the ability right now to look at what the name of the actress was who, who uh, was was the creature of the week or, you know, monster of the week? Because she went on to be in several different. Um, she was in all she, kinds. Of- um, so it's uh, her name is Marcy Rose. Right. And she's played by and I'm going to butcher it. Is it Clea Duvall? Yes, that's it. Yep. Clea Duvall. Okay. Yep. Yes. So uh, Clea Duvall, who then um, was. Yeah, she was, she was in, the back She's all that. Yes. Uh, Girl Thank Interrupted. You. The Grudge. She, Argo. She was in a whole bunch of stuff. Tons of shit. Tons of shit. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. What was it? Oh, she was in Heroes? Uh, the first season? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, she was the FBI agent for the Matthew Parkman. Uh, she's in Ghost of Mars. This chick's in tons of stuff. Identity, 21 Grams. Yeah, she's in a lot of shit. I pulled so, up. Yeah, she was, she, it was, it was kind of like, wow, before you were somewhat famous. You know? Yes. But and the funny thing is, is like, she is barely in the episode physically right <laughs> only in brief flashbacks you've probably timed it you're talking less than maybe two minutes in a 45 minute episode of yeah. on-screen time for her yeah um and then the last episode of this season episode 12 prophecy girl buffy wants to resign from her life of slaying when giles uncovers an ancient prophecy that spells out her deadly fate as the master's ascension from the hellmouth is at hand uh, the earth begins to crack open xander willow and cordelia who has intermittently sort of kind of been around as some of these tragedies are taking place obviously especially with the last episode so she's kind of helping a little bit more bitching but helping the scooby squad uh, yeah the, they face on an army of demons and the prophetic end of the world. Meanwhile, Xander finally asks Buffy to the prom uh, with equally disastrous consequences. So I love that. Just, you know, this is the end of the world. Buffy's going to die. Also, we're going to throw in a little dating thing here. <laughs> uh, and this was good. This was the one where uh, the master does make his escape. He does. Buffy does go meet her fate. She sacks up. Uh, it goes down there. The master bites her. It it takes the the turns out the prophecy is that it takes the Slayer's blood to free him, and he is going to get free because she is going to die. He bites her, drops her, leaves her dead. He dies. Sorry, she dies. She drowns in a puddle of water. She drowns uh, in a small puddle. Yes, and is dead. She's the Buffy is dead. She is dead. D E D dead. Is she's found by Xander and. Angel, and I love this part. <laughs> Xander's like, do something. He's like, no breath. Can't can't CPR. No. What? <laughs> I don't know vampire anatomy, but that one just was like, what? <laughs> it just seems your lungs don't work. I'll, whatever. <laughs> All right, I guess. I don't know. Does that mean you can survive underwater in space? Right? Yeah, you really, space? really good point. There's there's so much to unpack behind that one simple thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave it. I'm not going to attack it, but whoa. Right? So Sander happens to have lungs that work, so he performs CPR, raises, you know, brings Buffy back. They go, they find out that the Hellmouth 
is underneath the library the entire time, like the main entrance of the Hellmouth. They fight back um, these giant tentacle demon uh, that uh, would just come out of uh, a, a tentacle. They look pretty cheesy. They look yeah. pretty bad. And while Buffy fights and defeats the Master, and all's well, it ends well. Uh, this yeah. is the only season of the show that was 12 seasons as opposed to the normal 22 because uh, Joss Whedon thought, look, I only have a full season to tell my show. And if it doesn't or my story, if it doesn't get picked up, I would like this to wrap up nicely. Yeah. And uh, that's that's what he did. And this one, he he personally directed. And I want to say that's the only one. He directed this season. Oh, I, I know. Well, that season, I don't know, P- probably, but I know he's directed other ones. But yeah, so that's 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 season one. That's uh, it's Buffy season one in a in a tight tight nutshell. Yes, because uh, we can, we can wax poetic about every episode. I, but- and I know, and I'm glad we're do we're not going too deep. We're just like touching on things we like because honestly, you could make an episode off of each episode. You could make a podcast episode off of each Buffy episode and be you know, hundreds long. You but, could. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious, though. What were your top three? Uh, so uh, Cincinnati Jeff, top three episodes. And even as I was going through them, I'm like, oh, I should have picked that one. Um, so I'm actually – I'm going to change – I'm going to change. I'm going to change one up. You uh, wishy-washy motherfucker. I can't help it, man. I can't help it. Uh, it's my middle one. So my first one stays true. Episode three, The Witch. That uh, is one of mine as well. Episode yes. three, The Witch. That one was just so fun. I mean, the way it starts out with there's cheerleading tryouts and the one chick just spontaneously combusts. Just out of nowhere. It just cracks me up. Then the whole premise of it. And there's a really good twist in the middle where, you know, okay, like all these bad things keep happening to these girls, right? The one chick spontaneously combusts. Um, Buffy, like, loses her coordination, becomes, like, kind of, like, airy and bubble-headed. Drunk, yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's what it was. And then uh, the one girl, her mouth just... Grows, like, 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 seals shut with extra skin. Cordelia's eyes go completely white. She's completely lost her vision. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? You find out one of the girls who is a, a cheerleader on there who is never quite making first string. Amy. It's a witch. Annie, yes, is a witch. But it's not really even her body. It's her mother, who is the real witch, who has possessed her daughter's body to relive her glory days as a cheerleader. Whoa. <laughs> yes, this... This was awesome because, like, when they go to Amy's house and it's Amy's mom who answers and, like, they're a little bit off put when they start to question her because they're like she's eating, like, teenager food. Eating junk and, food, watching bad TV. Yeah. And like, what's going on? But, like, y- you get a little sense of it, too, because, like, Amy comes home later and, like, drops her homework off her mom. She's like, you have a fucking math test tomorrow. Do my work. Yeah. And then you realize, OK, maybe I misspoke by saying. Uh, they basically the mom has swapped bodies. So yes. she pulled a Freaky Friday, uh, or a vice versa, or an 18 again, whatever whatever body swap <laughs> you want to talk about. But has done a body swap. So the mother is in the teenager's body, and the teenager is in the mother's body. 
Yes, that's exactly what happened. And I like that in the end, um, uh, there's just all this dark magic going on as as mom Amy is uh, desperate to hang on to the youth that she has stolen from her daughter while Amy trapped in her mom's body is trying to help the Scooby's gang get get everything back to normal. Um, a spell goes a little bit awry, and instead of Amy and mom switching bodies, Amy's put back in her body, but her mom is then uh, a spell is cast back at her, like reflected back at her, and she is then trapped. Uh, she disappears, and you find out later on as Amy and Buffy are walking down the hall, uh, they stop to look at Amy's mom's uh, school trophy from her cheerleading days, and uh, that's when we see uh, the eyes open up as they're wondering, like, what happened to her mom? And, like, you can see that it's actually the mom's face. I think her name's Catherine, like, trapped in the, in the trophy, just forever stuck there. I fucking loved it. I love that ending. And, you know, it's funny, later in the, in the series, like, yes. I think, like, maybe, set, you know, season three, there's a callback to it. You know, they walk past that. They walk past that. Like that same trophy. It's like that trophy. Just look at me. You know, like, like, like once hey, or twice. I want to say. Like I remember. Yeah, they, they like Spike sees it and he's like, "That's kind of weird." And like I think someone says they have a dream about a trophy that is like a woman trapped in a trophy. Uh, it's, in it's, case. it's so good. It, it makes you also think of. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched Twin Peaks. Um, but there's there's a character who gets trapped in furniture, like into like the wooden parted furniture, uh, and it's real. It's it's 90s graphics. It's really twisted. But at the same time, it's like Jesus Christ, you know, you get getting getting trapped into uh, an inanimate object, suffering to watch everything around you. Right. Love love that episode. Uh, my second favorite episode was going to be the Pact, but after, um talking about them i'm actually going to change it to episode nine the puppet show son of a bitch that's my as well it's one of mine as well <laughs> because man just what an episode like it starts out that you're that the guy who's doing um the uh like working with the puppet i'm drawing a blank on um what that talent is ventriloquism ventriloquism thank you thank you very much i got you uh, back the, 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 like he's a very timid teenage boy, but like he's very uh, crass and rude through the puppet, through the dummy, Sid. Which which is a great hallmark characteristic of a fantastic ventriloquist. You yes. have the meek, mild mannered human, but you have the crass off the shelf, wacky. Look out. I'm crazy puppet. You know, that's 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 classic ventriloquism. So it's working really well, but the voices are so different. So you're thinking, oh, well, there's something to this. What's going on? Yes, exactly. And at the same time, there's these murders that are being taken place, like, in the school. Very dark. Like, organs are being harvested from just teens and stuff. It's Yeah, a guy's liver gets taken out. A heart gets taken out. You know, like a spleen. Like, weird. Yeah, it's getting weird. So the Scooby Squad like does their does their thing, a little investigating, going through some pouring through all these old books that Giles keeps in the library where he's just got just thousands of books <laughs> do not belong in a public library. And um, they discover that there's some sort of ritual about um, that is going to, I guess, free a demon from his uh, trapped form. And uh, they they 
figure out, oh, it's it's Sid, it's the puppet. The puppet is is the yeah. mastermind, and he's he's making this um, young boy Morgan like you know who who appears like sick. I like, like they're feeding off the life force of him, uh, like doing all these terrible things. And then as you get to the end of the episode, it turns out that Sid is actually a human trapped in the dummy's body, and he's also trying to prevent the demon from rising. He was placed there in, like, the 30s by a witch, and he was like a demon hunter. And in the end, it turns out that the demon himself was actually trapped in another young kid's body. He was like this bumbling magician. I think his name's Mark or something. And, like, he tries to cut off Giles' head with, like, a guillotine magic trick, and it turns out he's the fucking demon. And Sid, if he kills the demon, he is freed from the dummy, but he dies. And, which uh, he wants, which he invites. Yes. It was such – just such a – like, the episode just took so many turns, but not so many where you're like, I can't follow this, or, like, it was unnecessary. But, like, first you think it's the dummy. Then you find out the dummy is a uh, – you know, it's a demon hunter. And then you're like, is he telling the truth? And then like, what's going on with Morgan? And then I uh, like out of left field, there's fucking Mark. It, it was cool. That's why I had to flip flop from the pack. Cause the pack's cool. Uh, but, uh, you know, I yeah, thought this one, was a better written episode overall. The reason I really like this one is cause it takes, I mean, we, we've seen dolls and dummies be used all the time and they're evil dolls, evil dummies. You know, of course you think of child's play, you think about poltergeist, the evil clown, um, you know, I mean, it, and, and, you know, even tell some of the crypt episodes with the ventriloquism, always evil, evil, evil. So this is when you have, it's like, okay, evil dummy seen there, seen it, been there, done that. Yes. No, this guy, he's actually good. He's, he, he is a dummy who is possessed, but he's possessed by a demon hunter trying to do good. Hey, I'm in. That was a great, that was a great swerve. It made me go, no shit. And I was very happy to have that, uh, you know, common trope kind of flipped on its head. See, exactly. And that's kind of why I flipped. I had to flip flop there because not that I had forgotten the episode, but like, you know, in my head, I remember episodes that stuck out from when I was a kid. The pack was one of them. Right. The witch was one of them. My next one up is going to be one of them. And then I got to the, you know, that episode and I was like, OK, I love this. this is a great episode. But then when I was thinking on the fly, like what were my three favorite, like those three came to mind. And then as we were talking about the season, I'm like, nope, I got to put that one ahead of it. Yeah, it's just so good. So what's uh, your number three? My number three is Out of Sight, Out of Mind, episode 11. Pow, pow, pow. <laughs> We're three for three on this, man. Are we really? Yes. That's awesome, dude. Great minds. <laughs> Great minds and big wieners think alike. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, do you, what do you like specifically about this one? And I've been jabbered on for a while about these last two. You tell me what you liked. I just feel that this one really touches a little bit on the high school and just that high school bullshit that you deal with. Now, granted, in high school, I was a relatively popular guy. I'm not going to lie. I was I was class president. Um, I, I, you know, I, I had a lot of friends. I knew a lot of people. But at the same time, I was also what you call a butterfly. I never had a solid group. I never had like someone I could really go to at my high school and be like, man, fucking down. Something's wrong. You know, I'm, I'm, I really need someone to lean on. I didn't have that. I had, I was able to flutter to the jocks. I was able to flutter to the gangsters. I was able to flutter to the nerds. I was able to flutter, and I was friendly with everyone. But I also knew 
kind of what it was like not to have that person, um, you know, that you can lean on. Someone you can really and, – and, and on the, on the opposite side of my coin, there's got to be people who have absolutely no one. Maybe one good friend but can't really talk to anyone. So you have this this person who is so unseen and so unknown and so ignored, they don't even have time to make fun of her. That's how unpopular she is. And she literally just vanishes into the ether and becomes basically an invisible woman and is so hurt and distraught by her corrupt, her basically her corruption that she starts killing the popular girls. And it's a, it's a great, great twist. And my favorite part is the very end. Yeah, it is. And that's the, that's the ice, like, cause that's a good story. But fuck, that ending is the icing on the cake. She's has, you know, Cordelia tied up. She has Buffy, you know, on the ropes there. And of course they get away. But before the before Buffy can take her out, in come the fucking G-Men, the <laughs> go, some, some government entity, CIA, FBI, whatever, comes in like, we'll take it from here. <laughs> they take her away to be a government spook. And they end yep. up with her in a classroom of other ignored, neglecting teenagers, I'm assuming, learning how to be spies. Yeah, she's she's reading, like, she sits down, and the teacher's like, all right, now open your textbook to chapter five. And it's like, she fucking title of it was Assassinations and Infiltrations. And you just hear my <laughs> go, cool. <laughs> I love that episode, and you're absolutely right. You know, nothing is more uncomfortable than saying something to a group of people and them not reacting to you. And it's like, did you not hear me? Are you ignoring me? You know, it's an awful feeling. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, it's just – I. You know, everybody's probably been there once. Or twice, just like that's just kind of really uncomfortable. But this poor girl was, you know, like you said, just so ignored. And be, and Giles says, "Look, there's just it's the Hellmouth. There's all this natural magical energy that just is just always floating around. That right. this girl's feelings just overwhelmed her, and she just became invisible because of it. Her parents didn't really care that she disappeared. No one looked for her. She lives in the like the ceiling of the school." Yeah, like, she's just here? Like, like the band member, like in the band room of other, like, and she had like a little, a little radio and a little fucking sleeping sack and some snacks out there. Yeah, she's just been existing. Yeah, and like, you know, Zan, you get you get the understanding that Xander and Willow are not the coolest kids in school, right? With, you know, Xander's sort of uh, dorky and sort of an oaf a little right. bit. Uh, and Willow is very much uh, just a petite nerd. Yeah. But it, they at least have each other. And like they're like, I don't remember that girl. And like Willow, like, you know, looks up the classes uh, that they had the previous year. She's like, well, that's weird, Xander, because you and I both had four classes with her. <laughs> and like it's like they get her yearbook, like Buffy runs her yearbook in the ceiling. And she's like, it's all like, have a good summer. Have a good summer. And Willow's like, no, see, mine was better. I would have a great summer. <laughs> Like, no one cared about her enough to actually say something personal. Exactly. Just, like, that's the kiss of death. Summoner. Yeah, summoner. Summer. Summoner. <laughs> and that just, that that whole episode just really stuck out to me. Plus, you know, she's just killing everybody, just 
ready to just fucking do damage. It just it sort of gives you that vindication that you're just like, man, if I was having a bad day like that, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah, wasn't unpopular. I sort of I had a core group of friends, but I was I was uh, uh, just kind of uh, liked enough by enough people. Um, I remember even I wasn't class president, you fucking big <laughs> shit. But uh, I remember being nominated for prom court, and like I went down to talk to the. They were like, "You got to show up to the uh, assembly in this classroom for prom court." And I was like, "Cool." I didn't know what the hell that meant. Literally, I shit you not, it's not a joke. I showed up and I asked the teacher like right away. Everyone laughed at me. I was like, "So what does this mean? Like, am I like responsible for decorations?" And like everyone chuckled. And they're like, "No, you're in running to be prom king." And I was like. <laughs> me all right that's way cooler because i was totally planning on fucking stuff up (laughs) now i get to be king yeah (laughs) fuck yeah i did not get prom king but uh i was at least on the court it was weird the prom king and queen court was dominated every single year by the same people over and over again so i was like that's just strange it was like a weird little click but I made fucking president, motherfucker. Watch out. You did. I was really surprised to be nominated because everybody else was the very stereotypical popular high school kid. Played sports, very attractive in the palm squad or cheerleaders. Right. You know, I wore 54-inch Jinko pipes and corn <laughs> t-shirts and shit. And like every talent show, I played a Nirvana song because I'm fucking in love with Nirvana. Yeah, I, I did not fit in with these people, but I got along with them. I don't know how the hell I got nominated. Rigged, I guess. Yeah, because so like that's, uh, that's season one. Yeah, that's that's everything. That's uh, that's season one. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, great season, self-contained, really liked it. But it was it proved to be so popular that uh, not only did you get to come back for a second season, which we were about to get to, but it came back for seven whole seasons, which yeah. was just wonderful. Um, so season two um, picks up pretty much uh the summer after the end of season one so season one the master has been killed it's summertime now everybody goes sort of their own separate ways after her death at the hands of the master and her summer vacation which she spends with her father in la buffy returns to summerdale summerdale sunnydale um like the day before school in a strangely withdrawn and snippy mood uh, she's also determined to break off her on-off relationship with Angel as she seems a little too eager to renew her Slayer training. Uh, but uh, getting Angel um, out of her head proves to be harder than she thought uh, as the true the two draw even closer together throughout this season. Uh, passion erupts into danger that neither one of them could have foreseen, uh, affecting not only the vampire and the Slayer, but all of Buffy's friends, family, and just pretty much the town in general. I, I do like this episode. This was not one of my top five, um, but I feel like she get an honorable mention. I do like the the fact when she starts off back slaying, like, hey, Buffy, that was some intense shit that you went through last year. Hope you had a good summer. And she's like, yeah, I'm ready to kick some ass. It's like, oh, okay, how about we just hang out? She's like, no, I'm going to train. And she, you can tell she's got a chip on her shoulder because she fucking died. Yeah, she's like disturbingly cold and distant from her friends and sort of a bitch. I'm not a big fan of these first couple uh, episodes of season two because she is kind of whiny. 
Yeah, and, but at the same time, I appreciate that. I mean, granted, high school students don't die and come back to life, but they can deal with some major shit, and sometimes they have trouble processing it. And I felt yeah. like they kind of touched on that. I, in, I, in an extreme way, because you fucking die. But, yeah. You know. I can't relate, so that's why it, it's, it seems off to me. But, uh, you know, I digress. What am I going to do? I'm not a girl. I'm not the Slayer, and I've never died before that I know of. <laughs> Um, episode two, uh, some assembly required when the body parts of dead girls are discovered missing from their graves, Buffy and her posse discover that the parts are being used to create the perfect woman with the final touch being Cordelia's head. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Giles finally musters up the nerve to ask fellow teacher, Miss Calendar, who've seen intermittently. On and off throughout the first season, uh, she was featured heavily in episode one of season two, where she gets kidnapped with Cordelia by a couple of vampires. Um, and she is also aware of uh, Buffy's uh, faith, destiny, right? She knows what's going yeah. on. She's 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 hip to it. Um, in the same episode, uh, Angel admits his jealousy over the amount of time Buffy is spending with Xander because while Buffy is cool with her friends – uh, she is like just straight putting Xander on a leash and just kind of just leading him on just to make Angel jealous to try to get him out of the picture. Bro, I've, I've been that guy. I've been Xander before. I've been Xander in those situations before. And man, is it awkward. I have never had to go through that. Uh Simply just because I'm like, man, you know, as, as a big fan of video games, I just don't like any other kind. And uh, um, <laughs> if I ever recognized well, he, that, he wasn't like, aware. He wasn't aware of the game. He was he was oblivious of of the games. But then this this is why I don't like, like I said, these first couple of episodes. So like, all right, episode one, she's kind of shitted all her friends, uh, but she apologizes. They move past it. Episode two, in in an attempt to be shitty to Angel, still kind of being like a bratty bitch, she's kind of shitty to fucking Xander again. It's, yeah. It's annoying. They don't get it right until episode three, where uh, School Hard is what it's called. Um, when the parent-teacher night is interrupted, I love that they just, every time I say this, like, when I remember the episode, right, I'm like, vampires, trapped him in the school, and then, like, you know, they hit me with, like, a, actually, there's this whole overarching, like, they have regular lives thing going on, because it's parent-teacher night, and it's yeah. interrupted by uninvited guests, Buffy must protect her fellow students, the principal, other parents, and her mother while keeping her secret safe. Meanwhile, Angel's old friends, Spike and Drusilla, visit Sunnydale for the Night of St. Vigis? Visigis? I I don't know, but this is where we get introduced to Spike and Drusilla. Yes, it's the Holy Night of Attack for Vampires. It is their... it, you know, it, it is their uh, day of red sun. If you are a fan of Avatar, the uh, last airbender, uh, you know, it is their full moon, so to speak. Uh, it makes them more powerful on this night. So Spike, who is known to have killed two slayers in the past uh, and his uh, deeply disturbed vampire girlfriend, Drusilla, move into town uh, and. This is great because while we did talk about the anointed a little bit uh, in in the season one, oh yeah, you don't see him do a whole lot of of 
what you would expect. Really anything. But he's leading. I can't believe we didn't talk about the anointed one. The anointed one was such a disappointment. It was. Especially because that episode was pretty damn good. Yeah. I like the switch. But so the anointed has been leading vampires uh, since the master has been destroyed. They even try to get his bones to resurrect him. And uh, Buffy puts a stop to that in like episode one or two of this season. But Spike comes into town and he starts ordering the anointed around. He's like, you're supposed to be the big bad. Fuck you. I'm the bad now. And um, Spike leads the uh, group of vampires on the attack at the high school, uh, which is just very humorous because, you know, Buffy's mom kind of gets a hint of a little bit what's going on because they're all stuck in a room together. And they're like, these kids are on drugs and they're going to kill us. And uh, Buffy's like, it's cool. I got this. I'm going to crawl through the vents. And mom's like, no. And she's like, mom, chill. I'll be right back. And then she goes out and meets Spike and kicks some ass at the same time we meet that um, angel. Um, I don't believe sired Spike is a vampire, but uh, he refers to him as his uh, as as his Yoda. They're buds. They're buddies. And uh, he's like, can't believe you. uh, You went fucking soft on me, man. You were my Yoda. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, at the end, Buffy saves the day, defeats Spike, but does not kill him. Uh, Spike, in a fit of rage, goes back, locks the anointed in a cage, and then raises him up into an open window and burns him to death from the Which sun. We've got to mention the anointed is actually played by a child. Yes. <laughs> so this should I mean it's, it's a vampire. So he's hundreds of years old and he's this powerful being, but he is in the body of a child. So he basically kills a child. <laughs> does child murder and bastard. Yeah, I think the way they got away with it was like, no, 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 he's, he's an old, evil, 100-year-old demon. Yeah, demon? Just, just in a child's body, a chubby Hispanic child's body. Um, episode four, Inca Mummy Girl. Uh, Buffy and Giles are suspicious of Ampata, a Peruvian exchange student, staying at Buffy's house when a fellow student goes missing during a school field trip to the Natural History Museum. And a broken Peruvian pictogram cover plate is found in his place. Meanwhile, after Xander falls head over heels for Empata, he faces certain death when his love interest is revealed to be an ancient mummy who must kill and suck the life from people to stay alive. Poor Empata. <laughs> this pretty cool episode. Not, I mean, I'll just get out of the way. Not one of my favorites, but interesting because... She's a little sympathetic, right? Like she yes. in her life really does care for Xander, but has to kill to stay alive. Yeah. If I remember correctly, uh, I haven't seen the episode in a while, but she she was sacrificed. She didn't want to die. She didn't want the situation, but she she was like a I believe she was a sacrifice. Yes. Her sacrifice and curse were n- not of her doing. Exactly. She did not any of this yeah so all she wants to do is live but she has to kill to live yes yeah she's just like i've been awoken by accident i want to continue living my life uh, or the life that i have now and uh but she has she kills a lot yeah she's eating twinkies with xander and getting all zany and xander's like she's hot and she likes xander so poor xander too uh yeah i feel bad for the boy because he's finally starting to get a little you know uh little loving on the side uh from a you know and Pata's pretty pretty good looking too yeah she's he's finally getting over buffy yes 
moving on and he uh then has to be uh let down again the poor bastard yeah uh episode six sorry five reptile boy Buffy and Cordelia unlikely uh, become unlikely party pals when at a fraternity bash they are offered as human sacrifices to Mashida, a horrible half-man, half-snake creature. This one, this was cool. This, it's I'm underselling it here with, with its with its uh, with its title, but like Buffy meets these frat boys, right? These college guys, and they're like, she's trying to get over Angel. She's like, well, this guy seems interesting. They they go to the party. Cordelia happens to be there, um, and she gets drugged. She fucking drinks a fucking, you know, gets slipped a Mickey, and you think that like this is about to be every you know, s- you know, after school special I've ever seen in my life. Then lo and behold kind of flip the switch on you there a little bit nope nobody's getting date raped they're actually going to get sacrificed to this horrible snake creature (laughs) you know what honestly i felt like this one was kind of forgettable uh only because it's very uh cookie cutter up until the point at least for me up until the point where you get to the sacrifice then you're like oh i get it yeah that's that's the part i remember i remember the last like 10 minutes of the, the episode I remember this one being just kind of like, okay, hum, hum, yeah, you're like, oh, some boys, and the boys are got bad intentions, oh, okay. Sandy and, saved the day, and he gets, like, harassed by him and dressed in girls' clothes and shit. <laughs> Typical hazing stuff. Um, episode six now uh, is just titled Halloween. Buffy, Willow, and Xander are recruited by Principal Snyder to trick-or-treat with the neighborhood kids of Sunnydale. But the night doesn't turn out as they planned when Buffy's costume causes her to lose her slaying ability, and the other kids transform into their costume characters. Meanwhile, when Giles begins to pace together the night's events, he learns that it's his past that is making this a very haunted Halloween. Because these kids and Buffy and all everybody – Got their costumes from um, Ethan. Ethan. Yes, costume shop, which have all been essentially cursed so that during Halloween night, they turn into whatever it is they're wearing. And it's pretty much Giles who has to save the day now that everybody's generally outside of their own character. Yeah, but I mean, it's, 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 everyone kind of becomes their own costumes. Um, and Giles has to come in and save the day, and he has a run in with Ethan Rain, who is, uh, familiar with Giles' past. He used to be one of Giles' buddies, uh, which I think was very interesting. It was a great character development for Giles. It was. The only thing that was odd was that you find out that Giles used to have a nickname of Ripper and that he was somewhat of a badass. You've had this very pompous, um, uptight wearing jacket. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. This, this English tea sipping English gentleman. Uh, and then you're like, nah, man, this is, real name's Ripper. And he's going to be because even Ethan, when he sees him is a little scared and then gets roughed up by Giles on more than one occasion, not just in this episode, throughout the fucking series. And he is never fucking happy about it when he gets cornered by Giles because he knows he's about to get his ass beat by Ripper. Right. Oh man. Um, episode seven is called lie to me. Buffy's fifth grade flame, Billy Ford Fordham 
unexpectedly arrives in Sunnydale with one motive to deliver Buffy to Spike in exchange for the immortal life of a vampire. Meanwhile, Buffy and Angel confront their feelings for each other, and Angel owns up to his past relationship with Drusilla. As it turns out, Angel not only uh, sired her as a vampire, he actually tortured and tormented her as a human to the point where she was driven insane. Uh, She was going to join a covenant of nuns, and on the day she was going to take her vows, that's when he finally turned her into a vampire after killing her fiancés and family and brothers and parents darting her house and and then because of that he drove her insane yeah bad i mean like this is something i i do appreciate about the backstory of angel because honestly i'm not a huge fan of angel but they talk about his his past and they call him angelus Mm -hmm. they don't call him angel they call him angelus and uh, or Angelus, I don't, know, I don't know, whatever, Angelus. Either one. And, and this motherfucker sounds dark and evil and interesting. <laughs> and then we have this goddamn puppy dog-eyed piece of shit, you know, and, 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 and Angel lurking around. And uh, I, I want to see more of this Angelus or hear more about this guy. Exactly. And at the same time in this episode, you've got, uh, uh, you know, Ford um, trying to become a vampire uh, he he's in this group of other like-minded individuals who dress up in costumes and call them chosen of the night. And they're just misunderstood creatures and they're not dangerous and they wouldn't hurt anybody. And we just want to be one of them and be accepted. They're and, goth kids. They're vampire goth kids. Yes. And only Ford is aware of what they really are. And then as it turns out, he's got some sort of um, disease or tumor. Yeah. yeah, and he's going to die in six months, so he's like, I need to be a fucking vampire. But in the end, uh, as he tricks Buffy down there, she gets the best of Spike, gets the door locked, uh, inadvertently trapping the innocent people down there. I'm sorry, trapping um, Billy down there with uh, the vampires as the innocent people escape. And once they finally make out alive, uh, Buffy has to go down there and retrieve his corpse because he has very much been eaten. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I do think – I want to say this. I Did they turn him at the end? Because remember at the end of the episode, she's hanging out in the cemetery as she usually does. I don't think so. I think they killed him. I think they okay. just – Okay, so she's just killing just somebody else because she likes to hang out in the cemetery, wait for new vampires to arise because it takes a couple of days. And then she fucking just stakes them as soon as they get out of the ground. It's it's been like a month or two since I've seen it. I don't know if something happened. I'm pretty sure they just killed him because that was the slap in the face. Gotcha. You know, he delivered the goods. He did his job. Spike and the others fucked up. And he's like, hey man, I delivered the goods. Turn me into a vampire. And they're like, nah, we're just gonna kill you. Yep. Fuck you. He's like, I haven't been able to stand you for ten minutes, let alone fucking an eternity. <laughs> uh, next up, episode eight, the Dark Age. Giles' quiet, sorry, Giles' quiet existence in Sunnydale is jeopardized when a murder victim who is found to be linked to Giles' past is discovered on the steps of the school library. Meanwhile, the mark of Egon, I want to say, I can't remember. Sure. Got so many like Latin sounding words here. Uh, a demon that possesses uh, takes possession of the dead host takes over Miss Calendar. Buffy and Angel discover uh, the one way to save her soul. Um, 
this episode to me was just kind of forgettable. We already sort of got some backstory um, on Giles with the whole Ripper thing. Uh, this one was more or less um, about a group of people that Giles used to summon demons with. They would summon demons for fun and then beat the shit out of them and then banish them, uh, essentially. Bunch of assholes. Right? And uh, this was like a demon that was uh, looking to get revenge on Ripper. <laughs> he holds a grudge. Yeah. Uh, which I believe is uh, also uh, the return of Ethan Rain because – uh, in the Halloween episode, he does make it. He does make it out of town yeah. uh, without really getting. He gets his ass beat a little bit, but he doesn't get caught. But in this one, uh, he does return. Uh, then uh, episode nine is a two-parter. Uh, What's my line? Part one. In the first part, Buffy and Angel finally go out on their first date. Angel sets out to hunt down his rival, Spike. However, unbeknownst to Angel, Spike and his new recruits are determined to capture him in hopes of helping the frail Drusilla. And Buffy encounters a new ally, Kendra. Kendra. Yeah, Kendra, the new vampire slayer. (laughs) This is my my favorite steak, Mr. Pointy. (laughs) I don't know how to do a Jamaican accent, so I sound like a Jamaican Irishman. Yeah, <laughs> mine kind of came off Wisconsin, so I mean, that's what she sounds like. She she's it's the worst Jamaican accent. She's supposed to be a Jamaican-born Slayer. It's just the worst accent ever. It is. Uh, I'm just looking up who she who plays However, her. Great Bianca movie. Lawson plays her. Um. And, uh, yeah, she's, uh, from what I understand, not Jamaican at all. She's probably from Wisconsin. Probably is. Uh, But the whole premise of this episode is that there's a new Slayer in town. But the weird thing is, it's like, there can only be one Slayer. You know, it's like the Highlander. So what had happened was, is when the old Slayer dies, the next one is then called down, basically inherits uh, whatever magical powers exist for Slayers. But since Buffy didn't really die... There are now two slayers slayers running around. And obviously Kendra goes to uh, the Hellmouth um, per the request of her watcher uh, to see what happened to Buffy and then also see if she can help out. Uh, And then in part two, uh, episode 10 here, Buffy reluctantly um, teams up with Kendra um, and they obviously they find out that they're polar opposites in just every fucking way. uh, Buffy does her best to get along and join forces um, to obviously save Angel, even though Kendra's like, but he's a vampire, like going to kill he, him. man. He's a vampire. He deserves <laughs> to die. Um, meanwhile, uh, while all that is going on, Buffy on the hunt, uh, Xander and Cordelia are left to wait at Buffy's home um, where they start to get a little uh, friendly with each other. And this is sort of the start of the uh, Xander Cordelia relationship, which uh, finally Xander uh, starts to come into his own and and finally move past uh, his crush on Buffy. This is actually uh, the second of my favorite relationships for Xander, which is odd to say, but I love his later girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. 
so th- th- this was a good one. Uh, but at the end, right, Kendra understands that Buffy does know what she's doing. Sunnydale is safe in her hands. And even though she is of the mindset of all demons are bad and kill them, she can see the value in uh, Angel and having him fight on the side of good. Please help me out with the name of the bartender who saves Angel from being burned when Ke- when Kendra locks him in the cage. Oh, the rat-faced little bastard. Yes, I love that guy. I love that character. I wish there was more of him throughout the entire Buffyverse. I think he was an interesting character. I think he's a great go-between between getting information about demons and helping out Buffy. God, I can't remember the guy's character's name, though. He's only in a handful of episodes, but every time he's on there... And it's Willie's Bar. Yes, yes, Willie. He he, he steals the show. Whenever he's on the camera, he's fucking... I can't keep my eyes off the guy. Yeah. He's like... He owns a demon bar, uh, but he's a human. But he's like, fucking, you know, demons and vampires and fucking... And humans are welcome, too. Uh, They all just see sort of like a neutral place to hang out. Uh, No violence, no killing in this bar. And, uh, like, everybody sort of accepts that rule. Yeah. Yeah, he is cool. He does He does show up later uh, a couple of times. It's fun. Yeah, it's I, fun. Wish I, more, I wish we had more willies. Oh, well. Uh, then uh, episode 11 is just simply called Ted. The whole gang falls for Buffy's mom's new boyfriend, Ted. Everyone that is except Buffy, who suspects that there may be more to him than meets the eye. It's like a Transformers pun there. Uh, Meanwhile, Giles tries to repair his relationship with Miss Calendar after her near-death experience with the uh, demon uh, from from uh, earlier uh, from a couple episodes past and is still reluctant to let anyone know about their romantic involvement. Uh, Xander and Cordelia have been continuing to hide their, uh, you know, romantic rendezvous from both their friends Hers and his, because Xander being who he is, very unpopular and seemingly uncool, and then Cordelia being the most popular girl in school. Yeah, have, have, don't have any story about that one, but yeah. No. <laughs> uh, episode 12, Bad Eggs. Um, Buffy and the gang are introduced to parenting through the typical school assignment where they have to take care of their very own egg. Uh, meanwhile, Two Wild West vampires come to town hunting for Buffy, uh, and at the same time, uh, romance is in the air while Buffy and Angel continue their rendezvous, and Xander and Cordelia are also keeping their romantic liaisons a secret. Yeah, it's it's a whole lot of smooching, it's a whole lot of cuddling, and then there's these two crazy Wild West vampires in town, uh, which is pretty hilarious. I, I kind of love these guys. Yeah, and they're just they're nothing special, right? They're just no. there to kill the Slayer. They're just regular vampires. Just but, Texas yeah. style. But it did Texas Texas style. <laughs> I love it. Uh number episode thirteen is called Surprise. The fate of the world is at stake, as it usually is. Uh when Spike and Drusilla gather the dismembered body parts of the judge. A demon with a deadly touch who can just simply zap a being to death 
uh, with a single touch uh, from the ends of the earth, right? They, they, they dig this guy up, and he's going to be their ultimate weapon to extinguish the Slayer and just bring about the end of the world. They really Mi- hammer this home like in the storyline with Giles being very concerned. Everyone's spooked. Holy shit, this judge is coming. Yes. And at the same time, we also get more um, emotional jeopardy when uh, Buffy and um, Angel share an intimate moment which uh, threatens to destroy his soul. We have now found out that the spell on Angel that restored his soul um, was actually placed there by uh, Jenny Callender's family. She's actually there to ensure that Angel continues to suffer. She's been placed there by the uh, the gypsy clan that she belongs to, and her family is responsible for the spell. And we find out that if Angel experiences one moment of true happiness, his soul will be extinguished, and he will then transform back into the evil uh, Angelus that he once was, the vindictive horrifying vampire because the intent of the spell is to have his soul make him suffer not experience joy and they're so vague with this if he experiences just one moment of pure happiness he'll return back to this form of angelus this horrible monster i experience pure happiness when i bite into a good cheeseburger (laughs) i experience good happiness when i like you know pound a delicious beer uh, but really, his pure happiness that they're talking about is Angel dunking his, pardon me, dipping his donut between her Dunkin'. I can't even say it right. I'm kind of drunk. <laughs> dipping his Dunkin' between her donuts. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pure bliss is uh, just, you know, getting your rocks off in a curl. Getting your dick wet. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're not wrong. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, this was fun because, like, you get that whole going on. Plus, the judge, uh, who's uh, Brian Thompson, uh, who he plays several different characters in the, throughout the Buffy seasons. He does. He's in the first season as a uh, as just a, sort of not a throwaway, but like he he's I, I sort of set up as a as a threatening um, like yeah, and of the master. Empire, yeah. Yeah. So uh, this 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 was good. I liked this episode a lot. Um, episode 14, then, is Innocence. Uh, after Buffy shares an intimate moment with Angel, which extinguishes his soul, they bang. She blows up the, she blows up the judge with a bazooka, and then Angel and her fuck. <laughs> Gotta love it, right? Violence yeah. and sex go hand in hand, and nothing's cooler than using a bazooka in a mall. Great. <laughs> Outside yeah, of the, the whole thing with the, the judge was he could not be killed by any weapon forged by man. But yes, he, he was. He was, in, you know, talking about forged by man in the, you know, 1400s, 1300s times. Yeah. yeah and, and all of a sudden she whips out a bazooka. Everyone jumps away. He's like, what's that? <laughs> Just takes us the fucking full force of it and blasts him to pieces. I like how they're they're going around collecting him too, because at this point you've met Oz, who is uh, sort of uh, interested in dating Willow, and he's kind of following her around. They become friends, and they're sort of dating off, you know, a little bit here and there. But she's kind of shy. But yeah. he is he's, he's becomes familiar with the Scooby Gang, and he even helps out on occasion. Like in this instance, he's there with them at the mall where they blow up the judge and like they're 
he like the task that Giles is everybody's like once he's fucking blown up, go gather the pieces of this guy and do not let them get together or else he'll reform. So like it's played by Seth Green and Oz is just going around and he's like, here's an arm and he's just like <laughs> waving it, dude. It's just it's a funny scene and I like Oz. He's he's a he's a good character too. Yeah. Um. So all right. So now Angel is uh, lost his soul. And uh, he he is now uh, one and done with Buffy uh, as he just gets the gets the hell out of there. He's just like, uh, well, got to be hitting the old dusty trail. You should go home to your mom now. Wham, um, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Dude, that's uh, a long game just to get that one leg. Right? <laughs> Not only has he gotten sex, but now he's a bad guy again. Good for him. This man has played the long con. Yeah. Um. So now she is left with the realization that she must destroy the now evil angel who has transformed back into his evil persona. Meanwhile, Giles' relationship with Jenny has taken on a new twist when uh, he discovers that she is the member of the gypsy family that we just talked about. Uh, And then Willow also hopes uh, of a relationship with Xander is now dashed when she discovers that Xander and Cordelia are having this secret romance. So Oz is chasing Willow. Willow's still chasing Xander. Xander is with Cordelia. Oh, teenage love. Right? Uh, Episode 15 is called Phases. Uh, And this is where Anna sort of moves uh, out of, like, side character and then more into, like, mainstream. When a werewolf descends upon the city of Sunnydale, it is up to Buffy and the gang to protect the mostly human being from an evil poacher who is hunting the animal for sport. Meanwhile, much to Xander's dismay, Willow turns her romantic interest to Oz, unaware of the danger she is about to face. Because it turns out Oz is the werewolf, but he's not the only werewolf in town. Yeah, so... And I do love the story of how Oz became the werewolf. This <laughs> is so goofy. So he was bitten by his baby nephew. <laughs> and he drew blood and he's like, ow. You know, babies chew on stuff. His little nephew bit his finger and drew blood. And he's calling his, his aunt saying, so I, I got bit by, you know, baby Jimmy. He doesn't happen to be a werewolf, is he? <laughs> oh, he is. Oh, when did that happen? Oh. Okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's just this very casual, one-sided conversation. And this is like he's going through the motions of like, oh, right. Okay, when? Okay. And he's like locking the door of his fucking house and shit. And he's like, not going anywhere tonight. <laughs> this was fun. I, I like Oz a lot. It was it was good. And I, and I enjoyed this episode, too, because it really brought him into the fold of like, well, I'm not just another human being. Uh, I am a werewolf. So episode 16 is bewitched, bothered and bewildered when Cordelia succumbs to peer pressure and breaks off her relationship with Xander on Valentine's Day because she can't handle the pressure of dating the quote unquote uh, loser of the school. And obviously with her being the most popular girl in school, her friends are just, you know, being terrible to her about it. Uh, he convinces Amy, the witch from the first season to put a spell on Cordelia, which will make her fall in love with him. But when the spell backfires, all the women in Sunnydale, except for Cordelia, which include Buffy and Drusilla, 
uh, begin to see Xander in a whole new light and start to uh, pine for him and his love, which then has uh, dangerous consequences. And this includes uh, Jenny Callender, uh, Buffy's mom, Joyce, like just everybody in town but Cordelia. The the fat lunch lady, uh, the bus driver, all the girls. I mean, it's it gets pretty crazy. It does. And it takes obviously it's such a powerful spell that like he asked Amy to change it back. And she's like, OK, I guess. But first we make out and he's like, no, like, stop. But then he's like, kind of intrigued at the same time. She's like, OK, some of these women are kind of hot. Um, but like, you know, like Willow eventually gets an, a fire axe and she's like, oh, I see. You're going to be with Cordelia, even though she broke your heart. If I can't have you, nobody can. And like then yeah. it turns out it's like going to kill him. One that takes that stance it becomes pretty dangerous and the girls start like attacking each other too and i like that when when xander tells giles about this giles like you stupid boy what the hell's wrong with you this is really dangerous it was uh it was pretty yes. intense yeah it was a good very good episode very good episode uh and i just like how like when, they, when the girls are like talking to Rodelia, like you stupid slut, you broke his heart. And it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, we didn't realize what a catch he was. And she's like, Xander Harris? Like, it's just fucking great that Cordelia, being who she is, very even though she's uh, becomes nicer in these later seasons, is still very self-involved. And it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, uh, this is just good. Um, episode 17 now is called Passion. Angel's obsession with tormenting Buffy takes a dangerous turn as he is now evil and starts edging closer and closer to home, uh, basically forcing Buffy to have a serious talk with her mother and explaining uh, exactly who uh, she is. But um, instead, what she does is just explain that, like, you remember that guy that I told you was the tutor? Actually... He's obsessed. He's kind of spooky. Yeah. Uh, we shouldn't have him in the house. Yes, because I haven't I have invited him over on more than one occasion. So just so you know, we might not want to uh, let him in anymore, uh, which is actually really cool, because this is the one where, like, they sort of have those realizations of like, well, I've invited him in my house. So that uh, that old image of like vampires can't come in unless they're invited that doesn't work on him because he's already been invited and then willow uh has the same realization because she's like shit i invited him into my bedroom one time yeah and it it kind of it's it's interesting this is where the lore becomes kind of interesting with vampires because if you watched anything else like uh true blood for example Mm -hmm. uh to get a vampire out of your house all you have to say is i rescind your invitation and they're, you're good to go. Uh, whereas in this, with the vampires in this lore, you have to go through a pretty hefty process, a pretty hefty spell to reinforce the boundaries that a vampire cannot break anymore. Yes, yeah, they they uh, perform a ritual and a like a spell um, that uh, uh, sort of uh, keeps him back uh, from uh, from entering the house. Of the no same- longer- of his own will but during all this um jenny calendar is trying to actually uh put his soul back into his body and angel 
sort of like senses that and goes and breaks into the school and he can come in anytime he wants because there's a sign outside that like enter here all who seek knowledge or something like that, which he can take into the literal translation of I can come in. And uh, because of that, he kills uh, Jenny Calendar. Yes, yes. This is a, a major character who has been with us in season one. Uh, gets killed. Yeah. And Giles, at this point, is Giles' girlfriend as well. They've been, like, dating. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is this is going to be hard to move past. Uh, but uh, episode 18 is Killed by Death. Um. Buffy is admitted to the hospital with a raging fever where she encounters a young child who brings with him nightmares of Buffy's past and present. Uh, Meanwhile, a jealous Cordelia looks on as Xander protects a weakened Buffy from Angel's Fury. So, um, you know, basically what's going on here is Buffy uh, becomes ill, uh, ends up in the hospital, and while she's there – she starts having these visions of a childhood friend who had died strangely in the hospital, and she can't move past it. She's got a phobia of hospitals ever since this incident. And at the same time, there's children in the hospital who are just dying for no apparent reason. Is and, this the uh, in the ward, and it's that weird, creepy bug man thing? Uh, this is the one where, um, I guess you could say it's a bug man thing. I kind of thought he looked like a, a, a taller, lankier, um, Freddy Krueger. Cause he has like a striped sweater and like a pork pie hat. Um, but he sort of has the face of like a very evil, like, the, no, this yeah. is not thinking of them. I think okay. the one I was, it's an actual alien, but anyway, <laughs> And this is uh, so Buffy, like she can't fight this thing because it's invisible. It can only be seen by children as where she is like technically an adult uh, in this thing's eyes. Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) turns out this is, in fact, the same thing. It preys on sick kids. That's how it gets its power and how it survives. It eats children. And it actually is responsible for the death of Buffy's friend. Giles explains to it as like it sits on you. And this is actually pretty intense. Only children can see this. This already pretty horrific looking thing sits on your chest and holds your arms down. And then its eyeballs shoot out of its fucking head and grow mouths that attach to your eyeballs and suck your life out through your eye sockets. God damn. This thing is it. And it happens. It doesn't. It only does it to children. Mind you. (laughs) So Giles is like, that's be fucking intense because no one around you can see this. It just looks like you're writhing in pain in a hospital bed. And it's just like when you see it on screen, the effects aren't that great. A little dated, right, for this early CGI. However, just the thought of like this occurring fucking gave me goosebumps. I mean, damn, it's good scare. Yeah, it is good. It's damn, damn good TV horror. I loved it. Um. Episode 19 now um, is I Only Have Eyes for You. Buffy encounters a tortured spirit haunting the halls of Sunnydale High and recruits her friends to help her 
with this bitter spirit in a quest for peace. Meanwhile, Giles is filled with anguish when he believes that the spiritual being is Jenny trapped and trying to impart a final message to him from beyond the grave. Uh, But that is not the case. It is actually um, lovers torn apart from an affair of a teacher having one with a student back in the 50s during the Sadie Hawkins Day Dance where – she couldn't ask her love to the dance because she's a teacher. He's a student. It's forbidden, so they break it off. He can't handle it, and he goes to the school with a gun and shoots her. And what is happening here is that during basically these hauntings, his his emotions are so raw that it is causing them to repeat history uh, every night during the city Hawkins Day like week. And uh, anyone trapped in the, or in the school at the time becomes possessed by the ghost. And they relive the whole scenario where he shoots her and she falls off the uh, roof of the school and then dies, obviously, as she, as she lands on the ground. So anybody who reenacts that scenario, whoever the woman would be, uh, ends up dead every time. If I'm not mistaken, doesn't he turn the gun on himself also? Then he kills himself and commits suicide. That's right. Murder-suicide, yeah. yeah. This is a crazy episode because it overtakes everything. Like, there's a scene where... Um, Buffy and Angel are in the school fighting, just having one of their fucking fights, you know, with each other, and the spirits take over. And they take the they take the the reins of the lover the the love spur yes. ghosts. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's very interesting. It's it's a very unique episode for sure. Um, then episode twenty is called Go Fish. When a monster starts preying on members of the high school swim team, Buffy takes it upon herself to become the protector of the star players. Meanwhile, Xander goes undercover on the swim team to discover the truth about the missing teammates and ends up revealing a rarely seen side of himself in some Speedos. This episode, man, it... (sighs) I feel like it shows the best and the worst of Buffy. Because <laughs> some of the special effects are fucking fantastic. You know, the, the transformation scene where he's becoming, uh, you know, this this listless aqua, uh, pardon me, creature from the Black Lagoon-esque monster. The flesh mm. tearing off and the, the, the skin falling on the ground. Fucking awesome and scary and cool. But, like, some of the, like, dialogue and story of what's going on, I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this one uh, uh we'll we'll get to it we'll get to it i'll just let me just say that it might be on my list oh, oh okay <laughs> uh yeah maybe we don't maybe we don't remember not so in sync as we once thought um <laughs> episode 21 and 22 is a two-parter uh becoming part one and becoming part two um buffy determines that the time has finally come to destroy angel and uh she must ascertain to see if she is ready to sacrifice everything she knows to get it done Um, but her decision is uh further entangled when willow uncovers that the secret may restore buffy's former loved but she's got to enact quickly elsewhere angel chooses to unearth a demon that will swallow the earth whole and everyone on it, bringing them into the demon realm. And he would rather do that than have his soul returned. Um, at the, him, he seems to be having a lot of fun as Angelus. He does. And he, he's a good prick. Agreed. Yeah. He's, he, he I liked him. 
as the evil angel. Let's go ahead and just get out of the way right now. Um, I agree. I wanted more of the evil angel. I thought he was a fantastic villain. The way they set it up from season one to be the love interest and to actually actually have that quote unquote moment of pure happiness. Getting that sick wet. Uh, <laughs> but then become evil and his whole personality change. This shows a good range for the actor as well, because he's this mopey, dopey, you know, kind of strong, silent type. Whereas when he's this Angelus character, he's much more brash and in your face and, you know, cracking jokes and having a great time and just being a cold hearted killer. It's fun. Exactly. And he's really good at it. You know, this whole time, it's something that we just didn't really mention, but um, Spike uh, was in a uh, bit of a um, catastrophe when trying to sort of restore Drusilla in an earlier episode that we had mentioned. Spike didn't come out of it so well, and he ended up in a wheelchair uh, for the majority of the second half of the season. And while Angelus is so evil and he's hanging out with Spike and Drusilla, he's just like poking fun at it and like calling him wheels and like, hey, you know, don't get up. I'll get that for you. You know, like Roller boy. Just, yeah. yeah, like shit like that. It's fantastic. So like in, you know, in this it's like, all right, you're making fun of your paraplegic buddy, so to speak. And here you're trying to remember at the end of the world. You have to get this demon um, uh, to awake up basically by stabbing it with the sacred sword. If so long as you're worthy. And I love when he does it. and It doesn't work out. And Spike's just like in a sing song voice. Someone wasn't worthy. <laughs> like, it's just so great because he's just so fucking tired of putting up with Angel. Right. And we even find out that like Spike uh might have been faking his injury for far too long because he just like at one point he just gets up out of his wheelchair without uh yeah, yeah. so uh in the second episode angel then kidnaps giles to torture him for the secrets of how to uh awaken this demon and he tortures him brutally at the same time, Spike sneaks off, goes to Buffy and says, look, I want to help you either kill Angel or stop him. I don't want to end the world. I kind of really like it. I'm living in it. Right. So I don't want to go to the demon world. I want the earth to stay right here. I like cigarettes, and pizza and things like that. He's like, so I help you. I disappear. You don't stake me or Drusilla. You'll never see us again. Buffy's like, right on. Let's do this. Um, at the same time, uh, Willow uh, has been attacked and she's in the hospital, but she's still trying to perform the spell to restore Angel's soul. We get down to a final showdown. Buffy saves Giles. Spike uh, knocks Drusilla unconscious and uh, steals her away for an escape uh, while Buffy and Angel battle it out uh, one last time. And as this is going on, uh, Angel has activated the statue. It is slowly powering up to swallow the earth and bring it into the demon realm where everyone will just continuously be tortured for all eternity. Um, while this is going on right at the end of the fight, Buffy seems to have the upper hand and Willow restores his soul. But earlier in the episode, Buffy learned that the only way to close the portal is by killing the one person who opened it. So as Angel comes back to being a good guy with no real recollection of what he did while he was uh, the bad Angel or Angelus, 
All he knows is that he comes to and he's in his lover's arms and Buffy stabs him, sending him into the demon realm as the portal closes. And um, she fully aware that he had come to uh, and being was now a good person at the time uh, is now sent to hell to suffer for all eternity. Damn. And that's the season two. Yeah. <laughs> that bitch cold. <laughs> that was that. That was cool. That was a really cool way to end it. For Ooh, sure. That is, that is tense. Yeah. I good ending, solid story arc. I like that, you know, when they're like, all right, well, let's bring it full circle. He's gonna become human again. And like she without hesitation, she knows what she has to do, and she does it. Wham. Wham bam. And it's like he's I feel I almost feel for Angel because he's he's like, I'm I'm back, Buffy, huh? And then wham! Stake in the heart. <laughs> and he's just like, what? <laughs> Get sucked into the demon realm. And he's gone. Done. That's it. End of season two. Woo. So, um, Mr. Southworth, what are your five favorite episodes from this? We've got it's a little bit longer. So what's your five favorite episodes from this season? So five, I'm going to start off with uh, episode six Halloween. Yeah, that's on my list. Yeah, that is that's my first one I like. I just absolutely love everything about this episode. This may actually be one of my top five episodes of all the whole entire series. Uh, when they take on, they possess the qualities or the tangibilities or what have you of, of the characters that they're dressed up as. Xander becomes a pretty a pretty handy military man. Willow becomes a ghost, and Buffy, the mightiest of them all, becomes a damsel in distress. Because she wants to impress Angel by looking like a girl that he may have uh, come across when he was a, an actual human in the 1700s. Uh, God damn, is this episode fun. And it also introduces us to Ethan Rain, who I think was really, really wasted throughout the entire series. I think we should have had more of him. He's a great villain. He kind of has a little bit of attitude. Not really comic relief, but, you know, he's a little more fun, a little more loose. Um, and, and we also get the introduction to backstory with Giles. He's not exactly the buttoned up librarian you think he is. He has the nickname, the Ripper. He's kind of a badass. You know, we, you know, he's, he's, he could be deadly. Uh, we get a little taste of that. Ooh, what's going on with that? So yeah, that's, that's my number first episode. I really like out of the season. I couldn't agree with you more. It's one of those really memorable ones. I never forget it, even if I've gone years and not seen the show. And people are like, is it good? And I'm like, let me tell you about this one episode. Actually, there's a couple out of here. If I'm like telling people about the show, I there's inadvertently picking a couple episodes just from the second season without even really realizing it. This being, you know, one of them. I love that everybody turns into their own costume. Xander's the badass G.I. Joe. And Willow, dressed as a ghost, just a sheet, right? Just a sheet ghost, dies. Yeah. <laughs> just falls down dead on the spot. Kids turn into devils and demons and zombies and just all kinds of fucking nasty, groovy, ugly things. It's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. And it's it also introduces the idea that, and this runs through the whole series, Demons and vampires and ghouls think Halloween is tacky, and they take the night off. Yeah. They don't have anything to do with Halloween. Yeah, it's like the one time where they're like, I'm not fucking going out. Even though, like, 
It'd be easy picking, right? But it's just the streets are full of people, and they don't want their they really don't want their world to be discovered. Plus, they're being mocked. Yeah, they're just like this is entertainment. (laughs) Yes, Halloween is on my top five for sure. What's your next one, buddy? Next one is one that you didn't like. Uh, didn't they kind of glossed over it? The Dark Age, episode eight. Giles Pass comes back to haunt him when a demon and Ethan Rain is summoned and their wild days comes looking for them in Sunnydale. I want more Ripper. I want more backstory. <laughs> um, I like Ethan Rain. I I wanted more of this. So when this episode came up, I was like, fuck yeah, this is cool. So you get the the you know that Ripper was part or you know Giles was called Ripper. You know, as part of this this you know almost a cult, if you will, or coven of warlocks and witches who were summoning demons and really experimenting with some wild shit back in the 70s, you know, LSD and all kinds of craziness. Man, more of that. I was really interested (laughs) in it. I agree it's probably not the best episode, but because it gives us more about Giles, I I wanted more Giles. I wanted more interesting. I wanted to find out a little bit more about Ripper. I, I enjoyed that one. And this one, you did get more Ethan Rain, and I did enjoy that. And you got more backstory on him as well. That was fun. It's just Giles just seems so out of place to me as uh, the bad boy because he's just so proper and pompous and just articulate. And not that, that, that those are qualities that bad, you know, hard asses can't have, but, you know, he never really – exhibits those um tr- qualities right except um in uh one episode in a, in a later season where you yeah. see him actually be you know ripper uh yeah. and he, it's just it's it's fun uh but for me it's just a hard pill to swallow in a, in a, in a show with uh immortal vampires and demons and end of the world every other five seconds and witches i can't take the fucking uh six foot three uh scraggly white guy uh, as a badass like library <laughs> like that's where i'm just fucking drawing the line that's the stick for me apparently <laughs> all right my next one uh episode 11 ted Yes! This one's on my list as well. I knew it would be on yours because we were texting about it uh, when you were first watching it. I fucking love this episode because we didn't mention it before, but this is done by John Ritter. I wanted to say... Rest in peace, John Ritter. One of his last uh, television appearances, I believe, before he passed away. Um, And it's so good. He's, He's the love interest of Joyce kind of coming into a stepfather role really fast, really off the charts, like really winning the heart of Joyce really fast. And Buffy's like, Who the f- what the fuck? Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he seems so nice on the surface, but whenever it's just him and Buffy, he's all about the rules and about regulation. And he starts hitting her and it starts getting real dark. And you're like, Jesus Christ, this guy's hitting Buffy. And Buffy takes revenge and kicks him down the stairs and kills him. Holy shit, it's been really dark, really twisted. But then he comes back, and you're like, what the hell is going on? You find out he's a goddamn robot. And she, she's like, thank God. And then just wastes him. Holy he's a, he's a serial like, killing robot, too. He's, yes. He said, like, four or five wives whom he takes eternally into his, like, 
underground bunker, so to speak, and they just die. And then when they die, he's like, oh, she left me. And then he like can't cope with it. So he goes out for another one. Yeah. And I just love this scene before, you know, he's a robot. They're playing mini golf. And, you know, Buffy cheats to get in the hole and he sees her cheat. And he's like, you can't do that, young lady. You can't do that. It's against the rules. And he's like, damn, he's getting really intense. And you see him like smacking himself in the leg with the putter as he's like disciplining her. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is getting dark. He even like says something like she says something. And he's like, like right away, you knew he's like, there's something off because he's like, how about I smack that smart ass mouth of yours? And he's like, the other people come around the corner and say, who wants cookies? Yeah. And this is John Ritter, who is a, you know, if you know anything about Three's Company or other sitcoms, he is loved by all. Everyone loves John Ritter. You know, mom and dad saved the world. You know, John Ritter. Everyone loves John Ritter. Um, Oh, wait, no, that wasn't. He was in remote control. That was Uh, stay tuned. Not stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. That's what it was. Stay tuned. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone loves John Ritter. So to see him in this role of literally like abusing a child and, you know, cussing him out and, you know, like self-harm and weird, dark stuff. Woo. It's, it's, it's intense. It really, really is. He's just, it's very out of character to see him play this character, but he does it so well. He does. Just fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) All right. My next one. Uh, Episode 17, Passion. Uh, That's where Angel takes his torment to Buffy and kills Jenny Callender. And we didn't mention it, but he gets this just the episode itself. is it's, It's okay. It's pretty good. But the ending is so heartbreaking. It's. Giles and Jenny Callender have been on the rocks ever since she says that I'm the one who, you know, I come from this family that's cursed Angel. And they're like, you could have stopped this. You could have told us that we couldn't, you know, nothing. You know, you you had the keys to make it preventable. But it happened. Angelus is upon us. It's all your fault. You know, you you could have saved the day. But, you know, he's so Giles is on the outs with Jenny Callender. They make amends. You know, she mentioned she loves him. He's like, oh, my God. You know, they're smitten. They're starting to rekindle everything. Angelus, you know, she tries to restore the soul of Angel. Angelus doesn't want that to happen. He kills Jenny Callender. But then he doesn't just let her body lay there. He takes her body back to Giles's house, puts her in his bed, and lays a whole bunch of flowers and puts on, like, romantic music and has wine out. So when Giles comes home... He sees the flowers, the wine. He's like, oh, Jenny Callender is up. There's a trail leading up there. He goes up there and he finds her dead body as the music hits a crescendo, drops his glass of wine. I'm almost in tears. It's intense. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, this because this entire episode uh, when Angel's been sneaking around and breaking into everyone's homes while they sleep, he's leaving like these charcoal drawings of them as they sleep, uh, basically just kind of fucking with them. Right. And then, like you said, when he gets up there and it's this crescendo uh, and he looks down and he sees that drawing and that that's when he realizes she's not sleeping. She's dead. And it's just it's Woo. it's gut wrenching. It's g- great great television for sure yeah. and then you have the little bit left where giles is like on a suicide mission 
He's like, fuck it. I'm going to go out with a blaze of glory. And he goes to hunt down Angeles, throws a Molotov cocktail in there, just misses his heart with a, with a crossbow, starts beating him senseless with a fire lit baseball bat. Ripper. <laughs> like, you're telling me you can't see the badass in him. Hello, there it is. I can see it now. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, he's gone fucking Super Saiyan, but he's got a good reason to. It's just hard to see any other time. But yes, you are correct. Yeah, I no, love that fucking flaming back. Great. And uh, what is that? Uh, is that four or is that five? No, I, I was number four. I have my last one here. Okay. Episode 19, I only have eyes for you. So that's the one where the haunted couple take over the bodies of people during the Sadie Hawkins dance we already touched on. You're such a romantic. I, I love the music. I love the because they do use the actual shabop shabop, you know, yep. which yep. is a which they also use in an X-Files episode because uh, it's just got a great eerie quality to it. Um, and. It's the Flamingos, I think, right? Uh, I Only Have Eyes for You. I think it's actually that song. I think it's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's fantastic. They have this overwhelming love and passion and emotion all bubbled and festered from the hellmouth that it overtakes people during that time of the Sadie Hawkins dance every year, and there's always a murder-suicide and you have Angel and Buffy fighting, suddenly get wrapped up in the <laughs> characters, and they're both like passionate and trying to love each other, but it's it gets flipped where Buffy is the male character and Angel is the female character. Buffy shoots Angel. <laughs> yes, uh, it's absolutely 100% correct. I forgot about that. Yeah, so it, it flips the script as well. So she shoots Angel. But I, I don't remember how she doesn't kill herself or doesn't someone saves the day. But damn, it's so it's it shows good acting range, too. Um, I feel that this is a great showing for, you know, Buffy has a couple notes. But here's the actress, Sarah Michelle Gellar, goes more, you know, she can do something a little different from Buffy. And she does a great job. And the same same for, you know, the guy who plays Angel. Uh, David is Bourdain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he plays like a, a scared female character. Very interesting choices, sir. I see a theme with a lot of them, right? You're just a big, big lover. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. You're just a big, deep voice teddy bear, ain't you? Big, big softy. <laughs> Well, you and I have uh, – we have some episodes in line. I also had Halloween and Ted – yeah. On on mine. But with the Angel Buffy uh, storyline with Angelus and everything like that being the overarching theme for the season, I couldn't really pick one episode out of that that would I would say would portray like this has all that you need to in it to understand this whole storyline. So because of that, all of mine are actually more creature of the week um episode so my first one was uh episode two some assembly required huh where you've got you know body parts of dead girls are discovered missing from their graves and the scooby gang goes to investigate and 
um, what they come to find is like somebody is building a, you know, a, a bride of Frankenstein, so to speak, to create this perfect woman. And you think it's maybe perverted, but what it actually ha- ends up happening is that of these two boys, one of them had an older brother who was very popular at Sunnydale High. He was captain of the football team. He was the, you know, apple in his mom's eye. And, uh, you know, his brother used his knowledge of science to bring him back as the Frankenstein's monster. And he was all he was trying to do was build a mate for him to love him because his brother was so upset, not that he was back, but that he was disfigured and hideous. He had died in a car crash. And so this was his brother's way of trying to bring him about him the perfect girlfriend for his brother. Uh, so it starts out this maybe this is like perverted feel to it. Uh, but then later on, uh, it's actually a, a, a quasi noble intent. Um, but in the end, um, uh, he he comes to his senses, realizes that the only because he realized the only way they could get the woman to come to life is to actually use a uh, fresh brain from Cordelia. And he won't have any part in that. So he ends up having to fight with Buffy against his brother uh, and his uh, at the time helper. I forget his name. Um, yeah, I don't I don't remember either. Yeah, but you're, you're totally right. I enjoy, I love this episode. And honestly, this season, too, it was it was a tough one. It was tough to pick five. It, it was difficult to pick five and you're totally right. This does have a bride. of. It's totally an homage to Frankenstein bride of Frankenstein. And you even kind of touched on it when you have the one, the brother character, maybe being more of the Frankenstein character. And then the assistant uh, who makes think of bride of Frankenstein, like the Dr. Pretorius kind of character, the one who's like, we can do it. Let's just build it. Let's just go. So it almost pays homage to that as well. You know, Dr. Frankenstein and Dr. Pretorius from Bride of Frankenstein. It's it's really great episode. It was it was actually one that I was considering and I, I, I just made just had to make the cut. It didn't make the cut. <laughs> and I I completely understand um, that, you know, and just what what this reminds me of is um Trying to think back here. It's Aerosmith. I want to say it's Hole in My Soul, which was a song that came up by Aerosmith in like 97, 98, somewhere around there. And the music video, because this is still back when MTV and VH1 showed music videos like 90% of the time. And the music video of this was a guy trying to build the perfect woman uh, Frankenstein style. And so um, I was a big fan of that music video and the song and this episode happened to come out at the same time. So I, I, I think of one, I always think of the other. So that one was just for me, a, a just easy one, uh, you know, just uh, easy one for me. Did I, you, haven't, you, I haven't seen that video. I'm going to have to check it out. It's, it's cool. It's, it's fun. It's fun. Um, then uh, of course I had Halloween and Ted, uh, which we already talked about. My number four episode actually was uh, Bad Eggs, um, which was episode uh, 12. That one was weird. <laughs> I liked so much because it was one, it was so high school, right? Take care of an egg for your fucking whatever class, you know, child development, human studies, whatever it was, you know. Um, and make sure that it lives. You have to treat it as your as your baby. You're assigned a a mother and a father, 
and this is your, you know, this is your child. You have to make it through the week with it. Um, and what it turns out is that they're actually eggs for this creature that is uh, living underneath the school that um, can, once they hatch from their eggs, they basically latch onto you similar to a face hugger or uh, Starro from the DC comics and basically force you to become its slave. And go go keep going. They go and it forces them to uh, it forces all the people that it enslaves to go down into the basement uh, through a tunnel that has uh, been unearthed and basically dig out the parent uh, parasite. Uh, and while this is going on, you've also got uh, Tex One and Tex Two, uh, the 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 Texas redneck vampires, um, running around. These Wild West, you know, guys running around trying to kill the Slayer. And they they crack me up because, like, they're in the sewers hiding and they get in an argument and they're like, you know, shut up. I'm going to punch you in the face. And he's like, "Okay, let's go. They basically have a contest about beating the shit out of each other. (laughs) Slap my ass off the whole time. And why I picked it was uh, mostly because when these eggs hatch, they grow fucking spider type legs long skinny spidery yes. it is creepy looking it's it it was the first thing i actually saw in the show where i was like this is very very off-putting to me and i don't like it i hate spiders Cincinnati jeff does not like spiders i don't like things that fucking move like spiders i say that the way spiders move is unnatural even though they are a natural thing on this planet, I don't like it. I don't like what they can do with their fucking <laughs> limbs. And it sweating just thinking about it. So this whole thing just just sent me in a fucking loop of terror. And I really liked it. And at the end, Buffy fucking jumps down the hole, gets eaten by the giant parasite, kills it, comes back up. The one Texas vampire who's still alive is like, this bitch is bad. He just fabugas is like, fuck it, I'm out of here. Yeah. And Everybody else just kind of comes to and like the fucking backstory because they've always got some goofy ass backstory as to why this shit goes on. They're like, Giles is like, it's gas leak. Everyone it's fucking gas leak uh, all throughout <laughs> town. And you all made it here. And we dug mass hysteria. It was just so weird. But I love the episode. It is. I kind of forget. Like, there's a lot going on in that episode. There's a there lot is. going on. You got the creepy eggs, you got the possessed people, you got the digging, you got the Texas vampires. Uh, it's it's not a bad episode, but it just felt like it was it was the, the plate was crowded. <laughs> right. No, I and I can understand that there is a lot going on there. And at the same time, uh, you, you know, you've still got the, the angel thing. Yeah. Uh, going on uh the cordelia and xander love thing going on angel hasn't become bad yet it's there is a lot going on but i just overall enjoyed it serve their own story like their own episode and he comes back yeah the one who lives does he comes back in the next season which i like For, for slayer fest yeah, with a bride. And then uh, my last and final uh, favorite episode of season two is actually episode 20, Go Fish. It's the one I don't think you liked very much. <laughs> this one just – it cracked me up because it it cut out 
Angel completely. There was really no involvement with him and what he was doing at the time. It was just about people on the swim team turning into basically amphibian, like creature from the Black Lagoon type uh, individuals. And uh, essentially it was because the swim coach was trying to uh, alter their genetics slightly to give them an advantage in the state swim competition, but the um, basically DNA that they use from these mer people uh, uh, caused them to transform. They would they would bust out of their skin, and when people would go find them, they assumed that these fish monsters were actually killing people and like sucking out their insides. But what was happening was that they were just bursting out of their skin, and they would leave behind like their clothes and then like just like fleshy piles of fucking skin, and it, it was just. Yeah, like, like I said earlier, this is amazing special effects for television where you see the skin ripping. Like the, the scene where the, the, I can't remember the character's name, but he's one of the swim guys. He's got a shaved head and he's holding up his arm and he's like, ah, as this green, fleshy thing is come, like bursting through his skin and there's viscera flopping around. It's intense. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, it's pretty intense. Um, <laughs> but. I'm so bothered by the coach and the nurses who the nurse is in on this. The school nurse is in on this, too. Their yes. relationship to, <laughs> to to turn these kids into star athletes. So but, you know, <laughs> but there's always the risk of turning into a merman. And then the coach, like he knows what's happened. So he like pins them up underneath the school in like a cell in the sewers. And he's like, he throws the nurse down there and he's like, my boy's got to eat. And then he throws Buffy down there later and he's like, oh, my God, you're going to feed me to him. And he's like, no, no, they're fucking full. They just had the nurse and like her dead corpse floats by. He's like, but boys need something else too to oh. keep fine. You're like, oh, my God, she's fucking fish rape victim. Like, <laughs> this is oh. insane. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that, that is a pretty wild line. It was it was a little crazy. Uh, the actor who plays the swim coach, I don't remember his name, but he is the he's in Major League. He uh, is. Yeah, he's he's the the owner's uh, assistant in Major League. And then the nurse, she pl- she's like the housekeeper in Two and a Half Men, who recently passed away. She did. She just passed away. What uh, earlier this week or late last week? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember the actress's name. I was not a fan of Two and a Half Men, but I just knew it was a popular. <laughs> She was I on it. To, I've watched a couple episodes. It wasn't my thing, but yes, she was on that show. She's very recognizable. Uh, yeah. she's in a lot Same of things. Thing. Like I know, I know who she is. I just can't think of her name. Like that. That's the, you know, that that kind of actor. Yeah, but yeah, that one did make my list. It just seemed a little, a little corny, but it's hokey. it had some but good qualities. Like, it had some real good qualities. Out of twenty-two episodes. You know, we were in sync on two of them, and then you know, you you went very hard and heavy with the angel stuff, um, and I went, I obviously just went the other direction, and uh, you know, we couldn't be more farther apart with them, but hey, that's what makes this such a good show. Yeah, I agree because what even you liked though, isn't what I'm saying is a bad show, like bad episodes. They just weren't my personal favorites, and vice yeah, versa. I, I agree because I, there was a lot that I enjoyed from. You know, uh, episode twelve and episode twenty. You know that, that were fun. I watched them again and then had have a great time. Um, yeah, I just like those specific episodes. 
I think the Angel arc is probably one of the better uh, seasons. Season two is probably ranked. I think it's ranked pretty high amongst uh, Buffy fanatics as being one of the better seasons. Um, you know, we're, we're already well versed with the characters. Angel has that, you know, switch from being the mopey, you know, kind of emo-y, I I can't be happy, I can't have sex, you know, kind of, you know, (laughs) tortured soul into, like, this wisecracking, crazy, evil monster. I I loved it. I loved it. I can see why this is a favorite among Buffy fans, for sure. It's a solid season. You get all the twists and turns, right, from good angel to bad angel. You get Spike. And in his his introduction, oh uh, yeah, like absolutely, yeah. Who surprisingly, um, even this being this uh, his first season, we didn't touch much on him. Uh, no, we but didn't. from what I understand, Spike was supposed to be a one-off character. He was supposed to be a creature of the week kind of character. But Joss Whedon and others in the Buffy you know world liked him so much. Well, let's keep this guy around a little bit longer. Okay, let's keep this guy around a little bit longer. And he became like top billing, continuous character from here on out. Yes, he and he's very like I like him. I think he's well received. He's played by James um, James Marsters. And what uh, what surprised me about him is uh, I met him. A few like five years ago at the first uh, St. Louis uh, Wizard World convention, like the Comic Con, and I I didn't meet him. Meet him. I was walking by, and he was obviously giving autographs, and he had said something to somebody, you know, like I'm a really big fan, and this and that, and you know, he said, "Oh, thank you." However, I've only ever seen this individual in this series. Um, I just assumed that he was British. But he's not. Really? Just, I don't know where he's from, but uh, he just sounds like he was born and bred here in the Midwest. Uh, (laughs) And and that that is is a a fake accent that he does, from what I understand. And it just, I like stopped so abruptly that people ran into me behind me. (laughs) As I stopped and looked, it just fucking threw me off. And uh, you can go watch interviews with him and you can see him in like reunion stuff. And he's not he doesn't have that accent. And it just freaks me out. That's funny. Yeah, I was very unprepared for it. Yeah. Also, uh, Drusilla, another pretty good character uh, introduced here. Um, She's interesting actress, kind of an interesting character. Uh, Definitely plays the insanity role pretty well. Uh, maybe a little hokey at times, but, and she, correct me if I'm wrong, she has this nondescript psychic ability at times. Yeah, she, um, she, like, the Slayer has a power to have dreams and basically premonitions, um, and Drusilla seems to have this ability as well. And it's never really explained as to where it came from. Maybe it was something that she had all along. It's just a world of, of demons and mystics and things like that. Um, but she does seem to have it. And, um, you know, she can sort of see events and things, maybe not necessarily the outcome, but it's, it's, 
it's mentioned quite a few times in the beginning of season two and then not really used, utilized much at the end. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, they, they made, they really hammer it home when they first introduce her that, you know, she's, she's got these premonitions and like, she'll be talking and they're like, Oh, just like kind of ham it up a little bit and then, you know, have her premonition. Uh, but it's, it's, I always kind of liked Drusilla and she's a very interesting looking person too. Uh, very, very thin, but oddly muscular. Like it looks like she's just a skinny person who loves to like lift light weights a lot. She's got, she's very toned and, and that helps her vampire appearance, I believe. Well, you know, she's the, uh, she is the real life daughter of Martin Landau. No way. I didn't know that. Juliet Landau is her name. Okay. Yep. So she's very interesting looking uh, father. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But uh, yeah, I do. I like Drusilla. I liked her more when she was sort of, I guess, broken. Yeah. Um, Because. She was interesting in that aspect. And then when they healed her in the in the uh, middle of the season and then Spike then became like in a wheelchair, uh, she just became more of a just another kind of vampire, like another tool for Angelus. But uh, not really interesting. You think she'd be more badass, but she just kind of did the same thing, but was able bodied and, you know. Yeah. Like now that she's not broken anymore, but she what she didn't do anything different, really. No. Yeah, she didn't. That's really all I've got uh, on season two, buddy. You got anything else you want to add? Well, I just want to say uh, I enjoyed this. This is fun. This is uh, fun. I, I want talking Buffy, but we gotta. I, well, one, we gotta. I gotta go to bed pretty soon. But two, I gotta bone up on <laughs> season four, five, and or you know three, four, and five, and six, and seven. Right. Exactly. So, uh, thank you everybody for checking out uh, our little experiment here. Uh, thank you, Aaron, for not only coming up with the idea, but then being on the show as well. I really appreciate it. So, uh, definitely uh, let us know what you like, um, what you didn't like. You can uh, reach out to uh, me, obviously, uh, Cincinnati Jeff, through the Here Comes the Spooky contacts, right? The Here Comes Spooky dot com or Twitter page or instagram feed things like that uh of course aaron uh at horriblehorrorpodcast.com um they have so bad it's scary on twitter and instagram at horriblehorrorpodcast you can reach out to them or him and just say hey look i liked it uh we'd love suggestions little feedback you know we're got, we're coming back for a part two or we're gonna do season three and four absolutely man i'm pretty stoked so uh yeah thanks for listening and let us know what you thought yes appreciate it all right everybody have a good one